Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Welcome, everybody, uh, in person and online to the uh, May 25th, 2022 meeting of the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission. Um, before we launch into the agenda, I'm going to turn it over, I think, to Becky Pepper to read the rules of this uh, meeting. Thank you and good evening, everyone. My name is Becky Pepper, Planning Manager. Joining me here in the City Commission Room is Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services Director. Uh, Kyle Kobe is also helping facilitate this Zoom portion of tonight's meeting via Zoom. And we'll work alongside the chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Uh, before we begin, a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. The meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the City's YouTube channel and channel Cable 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to the Zoom facilitator. Unless you're participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You'll still be able to hear the meeting. And when you are participating, please turn your video off. If you have any, or turn your video on. And if you have any trouble, you can send a chat to the Zoom facilitator. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions. And with that, I'll turn the meeting back over to the chair. Thank you, Becky. <clears throat> uh, before we launch into um, the meeting, uh, the meeting minutes to consider those, I do want to uh, point out the fact that tonight is the last meeting for three of our commissioners. And sometimes we wait to the end of the meeting to do this, but I thought it'd be worthwhile doing at the beginning. Um, to give you all the uh, the due consideration and uh, appreciation um, that you deserve. So uh, tonight will be the last meeting and the longest serving member of the commission that is going to be uh, stepping down is Commissioner Butler. Um, Commissioner Butler uh, picked up, I think, filled out a uh, term that um, was unexpired and then served two full terms um, on the commission. So at more than six years, has it been? Oh, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but I, uh, you know, I've always appreciated um, Commissioner Butler's uh, comments, questions that she's asked. I've always found them to be clarifying there. I think during these meetings, um, uh, the amount of public comments that we can receive, the discussion amongst the commission, uh, sometimes it can feel um, like it's a lot and might start sounding like white noise, but I've always felt that when Commissioner Butler speaks up and asks a question either to an applicant, to another commissioner, or to a member of the public, it's always sort of seems to cut through everything and just sort of uh, makes everything very clear again. And I've, I've appreciated that. I think that's probably a, a product of, of her day job a little bit. Um, uh, I, I, I've appreciated your time on the board and I, I thank you for that. Um, the other one, the next longest serving uh, member who's departing after tonight is Commissioner Karen Willey. Um, I think one thing that jumps out to me about Commissioner Willey is she had the uh, enviable or maybe unenviable task of uh, shepherding the um, Plan 2040 through the process of uh, comment and discussion in front of the Planning Commission. Uh, that seemed like a lot to figure out and to handle. And I thought she did a remarkable job of navigating that, of taking into account the various public comments and the discussion with the commission and, and doing something that seemed monumental. And I remember the first meeting when we considered that, I think I told Commissioner Willie this, I was like, well, this plan looks great, you know? <laughs> and no, we spent a very long time going over that. And I think a lot of that was in part, um, uh, because of Commissioner Willie's work and thoughtfulness in that process. Um, in addition to that, I mean, Commissioner Willie has brought a perspective, um, I think that's really unique, sort of a, um, a, a rural perspective, 
um, a business owner's perspective, entrepreneurial expect, uh, perspective, and then um, sort of the scientific expertise in, in some areas. And I think that will be missed. Um, so thank you for, for all that. Uh, and then the last one is Commissioner uh, Greg Shanklin, who um, is our newest commissioner. Well, I guess uh, second newest. Yeah. Commissioner Thomas, you arrived after, but well, both of you joined during the pandemic and during the time when we were just meeting by Zoom. And I've I, uh, that I've, I feel like has been unfortunate. So this is the first time I've seen Commissioner Shanklin in person. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, um, but uh, I thought since you joined Commissioner Shanklin, you I thought you filled in um, for a commissioner who left before the end of his term. And I thought you hit the ground running. And I always appreciated the perspective you brought from your background in real estate um, and your and your, your law background and always had very insightful comments. And I personally really appreciated your passionate uh, um, uh, positions you took on issues like, you know, increased density and things like that. I think that was a, a voice and a perspective that was worthwhile to have um, on the on the board. So I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Um, I think Commissioner Willie and Commissioner Butler received certificates as, uh, of appreciation for the time on here. And I think one will be in the works for you, Commissioner Shanklin. Uh, but I did want to open it up to other commissioners, uh, just while we have the opportunity, if anybody else wanted to um, say anything about these departing commissioners, and then maybe give them uh, a brief opportunity to comment as well. Is there is there any other planning commissioner that wants to say anything? Go ahead, Commissioner Ashworth. Uh, Commissioner Ashworth here, I just want to just say my thanks and appreciation. Um, we're going to miss um, all these commissioners. Um, Commissioner Ashworth, just one second. We can't hear you in the room. Hmm. Go on. <laughs> Pause your comments. Anybody else? Any other commissioners? Go ahead, Commissioner Rexroad. I might have the same problem. Can you hear me? <laughs> Pause. We also cannot hear you. Oh, okay. All right. We can hear on Zoom. We can hear each other. Yes, we can hear each other on Zoom. Yeah. All right. I think you can probably, everybody on the call can probably hear you, but uh, uh, we cannot hear you here. Um, we might. Oh, I think that worked. Whatever happened. Go ahead, Commissioner Ashworth. So can you hear me now? Yes. Ah, okay. I'm glad it wasn't my fault. Uh, I'm not sure I've been able to fix that. Oh, I just wanted to add my thanks to each of these commissioners uh, for taking the time uh, to do this and to do this public service. It's a it's a lot of work, um, some late evenings, but all three of these really um, put the effort in uh, to to read what was going on and to provide thoughtful comments, each from their own perspectives and expertise. And I just want to say I really appreciate them, and we will miss them in the coming year. So thank you. Thanks, Commissioner Ashworth. Uh, Commissioner Rexrow, did you want to go ahead? Yeah, just quickly, a heartfelt thanks to all three. Um, I've learned a great deal from you in a short amount of time. And thank you for setting a standard of, of excellence and what it means to be a commissioner and a servant for the people. Um, high bar for all of us. Thank you. Any other commissioners want to take this opportunity? Go ahead, Commissioner Carter. Thank you, David Carter, Commissioner. I'm not going to say anything original, but just also to offer heartfelt thanks and to uh, follow up on Commissioner Rexrod. I have learned a great deal um, from the example that each of them has set in their own way, and um, I, uh, I, I have 
um, tried to adapt my own approach uh, to participation as a commissioner based on the kinds of um, um, strengths that each of them has shown. So thanks for um, guiding uh, my own conduct as a commissioner. Thank you, Commissioner Carter. He's not yeah. looking in a room because <laughs> I know that I'm so I'm so used to it. <laughs> there are people. Were you raising your hand, Commissioner Carpenter? Anyway, I just want to say, uh, Commissioner Shanklin, I is I think this is the first time we've been in a room together too. Yes. But just in the time you've been here, you've made me rethink quite a few things, just by the perspective you brought. So I want to thank you for that. It sure. always helps all the different perspectives, and it's it's had the sharpen some arguments too so <laughs> that's always that's always really good uh, and julia i i don't know what to say i hope you forgive me for talking you into re-upping for the last three years <laughs> but i've certainly been happy that you've been here and fortunately i still get to see you uh pretty regularly so thank you that's good. And we did have some fun, but unfortunately, we don't see telecommunications towers too much anymore because those were always the most fun. Uh, so thanks for all of that. And and Karen, I well, thanks for letting me be your vice chair through Plan 2040. And thanks for all the work you put in on the solar regulations I've, and everything that you've taught all of us in about thinking about county issues over the time. There have been a couple of people on this board that have really opened the, the eyes of the rest of us and how we view some of these issues that come in front of us. And I think you're kind of at the forefront of that right now as far as the county issues go. So thanks for all the time you put in. And uh, I guess, Julia, now, now I'm the oldest member on the, <laughs> yes. on the commission. So, um, but thanks again to all three of you. You're going to all be missed. So, but we'll rope you into some other committees or something. <laughs> That's right. Because yeah. none of you can say no. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Well, we have the opportunity. Um, yeah, I was, did you, were you raising a hand? I was going to ask if the departing commissioners wanted to make any comments before we move on. I just want to say it's been an honor to serve and it's certainly been an honor to serve with all of you. And uh, thank you to the public for indulging us in this kind of internal moment here. No, thanks. Okay. <laughs> the, the same goes for me. Um, thanks to staff and, and everybody on the commission. It's been a pleasure. And I learned a lot from all of you um, in my, my short 20 months. Um, and I uh, wish you all well. Thank you. Has it been that long? It has. <laughs> and I was at every meeting. <laughs> it's a perfect, perfect record. <clears throat> well, thank you. Thank you all. It's appreciated. Um, and I echo Commissioner Willie's comments, the members of the public here in person and then online. Thank you for that. Uh, sometimes those sorts of things get shuffled to the end um, when everyone's tired. And it's, it's a, it, you know, it's a long, uh, it's a long um, commitment. There's a lot of time involved. So it's good to recognize that, I think. Um, <clears throat> so we will we'll proceed um, forward. But I did just want to uh, um, just give sort of a just a thumbnail sketch of how the evening will proceed. Um, so we have a little bit of housekeeping uh, uh, to go through. 
um, which will just involve uh, proceeding through items um, B, C, and D on the list primarily uh, of the agenda. Uh, once that's done, there will be a time at the end um, and before we start hearing our specific agenda items to have some public comment. If people want to offer public comment about things that are not on the agenda for discussion tonight, um, there will be an opportunity uh, before we launch into the specific agenda items for that for you to talk for three minutes if you'd like. Um, once we're past that, we'll take up each agenda item individually. Um, and what will happen is the, uh, a member of the planning staff will make a presentation about the um, particular item. And then after that, there'll be an opportunity for the applicant or applicants, if they wish, to uh, take up to 10 minutes to talk about uh, the application if they'd like. Um, after that, we'll open it up to public comment on each item. Um, and for public comment, there will be three minutes for each individual or representative uh, of an organization. We'll go through the public comment, um, and then the applicant will have another opportunity to take up to five minutes to um, offer responsive thoughts to those. Um, once that's complete, we'll, we'll bring it up to the commission and discuss and may have questions for uh, you members of the public who are on the call or in person. So it would be great if you could, if you had the time, if you could hang around for that discussion. So that's kind of the process and what's going to happen tonight. Um, I will uh, turn then to um, the first thing we as a commission need to consider, and that's the uh, uh, meeting minutes from our um, April 25th and 27th meeting. Um, does anybody have, any commissioners have any uh, changes they'd like to make to those? Or I would accept a, a motion to approve them. I move that we approve the April 25th, 2022 uh, meeting minutes. And the April 27th one. I wasn't here for April 27th, oh. but I could. Excellent. Would, would anyone like to tag on to that so we can cover the procedural bases? I would also like to uh, <laughs> approve the uh, April 27th Great. minutes. So we have a meeting to, or motions to approve both of those. Uh, how about a second? <laughs> Uh, Commissioner Shanklin seconded both the motions. Is that okay, yes. Jeff? Procedurally, are we out of order? We need me the motion and a second for each one if we're okay. breaking them up. <laughs> I will amend my motion to include the April 27th, 2022 minutes. Okay. And then I'll second it. Second the amended motion? Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, can we take a vote on that, Jeff? Certainly. Commissioner Ashworth? Abstain. I was not here for those meetings. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Abstain. I was not present for those meetings. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Abstain. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero, three abstentions. Thank you. I, it, Procedurally speaking, do we? I think we have an extra motion pending. Does it need to be withdrawn? Withdraw my motion. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, great. Uh, okay, the next thing um, is to consider any um, reports from any committees that have met over the past month. Are there any commissioners that have um, any reports to make for any committees that have been meeting? I'm a little out of line here, but I have to make a report that the Lisa committee not only has not met, but it's losing two of its uh, four members here shortly. And uh, we had come to nearly come to some conclusions. So maybe we can pass those off to the remaining two 
members who can report on, on that finally uh, next month. That's a good point. Uh, okay. Oh, and the final report from the ad hoc subcommittee on solar is that the county commission passed it when it came back. Mm -hmm. So we're in a position to dissolve the ad hoc committee tonight when we get to that part of the agenda. Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. Um, Jeff, I assume the departing members who were on the Lisa uh, committee can that can be addressed at the June meeting. If yes. we need to reappoint or just entertain a, a report from the, the remaining ones. Yeah, we can we can hold that over to June. Okay. Any other reports, commissioners? Sure. Look this way. Okay. Not seeing any. <clears throat> we'll move to the uh, section D of the agenda: communications. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Jeff, are there any written communications from the public that we need to receive? All the communications were included as part of your packet this evening. Thank you. How about um, written communications from staff planning commissioners or other commissioners to receive? Uh, none this evening. Um, are there any written actions of waiver requests or determinations uh, from the city engineer? Also none. Very good. Are there any commissioners that need to disclose ex parte communications? Commissioner Ashworth, go ahead. <laughs> yes, Commissioner Ashworth, uh, one uh, declaration. I was, uh, as part of my day job, was on the property north of item number four and had a conversation with the landowner there. It did not involve the application at hand. Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. Any others? Okay. Um, are there any commissioners that need to abstain from a specific agenda item tonight? Commissioner Willie, go ahead. It's a fairly tenuous connection, and it, but for item number two, I will need to abstain. Uh, I do know all of the parties involved, um, but what puts it over the edge is that the uh, attorney for the Hebes, which is Rick Hurd, that had a letter in our packet, uh, serves on the board for the fire department where I serve, and there is a small amount of pay involved with that, so I will abstain from that item. Thank you, Commissioner Willie. Any others from the commission? Um, I needed to uh, declare an abstention. I'm going to abstain from item number one. Um, I, I recognize the names of the applicants. Uh, at a previous job, I was involved in uh, litigation with, with those individuals So, as an attorney. So I would like to just uh, not be involved just to avoid the appearance that uh, that would cloud my judgment in any way. Um, Okay, so with that, having taken care of those things, now's the time to entertain general public comments. And this, as I alluded to earlier, is the time, um, if there are any people on the um, Zoom call or here in person that want to offer three minutes of public comment on anything that's not related to um, the items we're gonna take up in here later, now's your time. Uh, if, if there's anyone in, in person, if you wouldn't mind approaching the podium, stating your name and address. Um, I don't see anybody jumping at that opportunity. Uh, is there anybody on the Zoom call that would like to take this opportunity to offer general public comment? There does not appear to be anyone on Zoom. Thank you very much. Then with that, we will move on to our um, regular agenda. And I will recess um, 
the meeting of the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission and convene a joint meeting with the Baldwin City Planning Commission. Um, so welcome everybody to the joint meeting of the with the Baldwin City Planning Commission and I'm going to turn it over to the vice chair while I step out for this item. Good evening, Sharon Ashworth, um, Vice Chair Planning Commission. Uh, do we have any members of the Baldwin City Planning Commission with us this evening? This is Catherine Weeks staff. Um, I don't believe the Baldwin City, um, the Baldwin City Zoning Director had indicated to me that they would not be attending this meeting. All right, then we will go ahead and move forward to consider approving a conditional use permit for equipment storage heavy use located at 564 East 1550 Road. Um, staff uh, planner Catherine Week will make the presentation. Yes, good evening, commissioners. Catherine Week, planner. Um, I'm here to present uh, the first item CUP 2200094 for the property located at 564 North 1550 Road. Um, this is a request for a CUP or conditional use permit uh, to include the exterior storage associated with what was the home base business um, located on this property. Um, so the key points for this particular uh, conditional use permit request. The property is zoned AG1 under the new um, codes adopted for the county in February of 2020. Any exterior storage um, can no, no longer be under the umbrella of a home occupation. Um, so that does need to be encompassed with a conditional use permit. So the applicants at this property are coming before the commission uh, to proceed with the conditional use permit for a use that is currently existing on the site. Um, there is a rural residence on this property and a horse farm, um, and also the area that is used for the storage of uh, construction equipment that was associated with that home base business registration. So in analyzing the criteria for a conditional use permit, um, staff does find that it can potentially meet all of those uh, criteria with some conditions that are appropriate for um, a heavy equipment storage use. Um, it should be noted that um, conditional use permits do not change the underlying zoning for the district. Conditional use permits are just a tool to make sure that uh, uses that are proposed for property um, can meet um, and be compatible with zoning and uh, nearby uses in the area. Uh, the property would still be suitable for all the uses that are permitted in the AG1 uh, zoning district if for some reason uh, this particular use were to cease on the property. So it doesn't change the zoning, um, it just it analyzes whether additional use can be appropriate. And so all of the uses that exist currently on the property are going to remain. And again, there is an existing storage area that was um, associated with that home-based business. Um, and that will continue. It is already graveled um, and partially fenced. One of the conditions that staff has outlined is that a small section of fence that's missing um, at the southwest corner of that enclosure area um, should be extended and completed so that it's fully screened. Um, I would be happy to stand for any questions or clarifications on any of the criteria. I'm not sure if the applicants are present. It doesn't look like they're on the Zoom call, but they may be in the room. So. Um, if they are, hopefully they can answer any additional questions if you may have them as well. Sharon Ashworth, Planning Commissioner, do we have an applicant in the room? Yes. 
We'll have um, yeah, ten minutes to present um, the application. If you need, there's a button on the side that'll raise the podium if you need that. Oh, it's okay. I won't stay here long because I'm not good at this. <laughs> but everything she said is correct, and we're okay with extending the fence. And we've been there for 24 years doing concrete construction of some sort on the property, and um, now we're just trying to abide by what the county wants. So, any questions? Most of all my employees take their vehicles home, so it's about a bunch of traffic. There's one vehicle that, that stays on the property uh, each night. But other than that, it's the bigger vehicles that stay there plus the storage. But that's all I have. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gish, if I got that right. Um, now we ask for any uh, public comment on this item. Is there anybody in the room? Who wishes to comment on this for three three minutes? Anybody on the Zoom call that wishes to comment on this item? Kyle, do we have any anybody at all? There do not appear to be any hands okay. raised on the Zoom. Yeah. I'm not. Oh, I'm not seeing anybody. Sorry. Okay. Great. Uh, so we'll move it back. We'll move it to the commission now for discussion. Who would like to open discussion of this item? Commissioner Rexroad. Thank you. Um, question for the applicant. Um, hey, first of all, congratulations on the success of your business. Uh, looks like you've uh, grown from um, small home base to something uh, more substantial there. Um, uh, I, I, took a drive out through there and, and uh, great location, great operation. Um, what I'm wondering is, um, do you anticipate the uh, size of your uh, your organization, your operation growing further into that space? Um, just kind of trying to get a sense for um, um, how large you think this might become over time. And I'm asking that in, in the context of, of impact on the neighbors and the roads and the traffic that might be going through there. Can you share your thoughts on that, Mr. Gish? Um, I don't see what we're doing with the yard becoming bigger. I think it's going to stay the same. That's the way I see it. Okay. In the way of big vehicles and stuff. Because I said, like, the trucks and trailers and stuff go home with employees. Gotcha. Right. Thank you, sir. Other comments from commissioners? Oh. Commissioner Carpenter. I just have one question for um, either Catherine or Becky or Jeff. Uh, one of the <clears throat> staff recommended conditions is that this be for the storage of construction equipment associated with the property owner's construction business, All Construct LLC. Um, what happens during the proposed 10-year term if all construct LLC goes out of business or morphs into a new business? What happens with the CUQ? So I may be able to answer that. So um, this conditional use permit is associated with the business. Um, if they were to go out of business, there in theory would not be the need for the conditional use permit at this location anymore. So if they were to change their name, um, they could go before the county and just um, let them know that there was going to be a name change of some sort if they were reincorporating under a different name. We 
I don't know that they all construct naming in the condition. If that's if that's what your um, question, if that's a concern, we can kind of tweak it to address that. Uh, it, that is my one question because this is a little bit different from others we've seen that it specifically names one corporation um, by name. So you know if they were to dissolve this business and reconstitute as a new business doing exactly the same thing with a new name, I guess your answer is they would just go get an okay from this county commission? Yeah, that would be the process. Basically, it would be going before the county commission to amend a condition. Um, I don't foresee that that would be a big issue, but um, if you have a concern, we could certainly tweak that condition to leave the no, business property on. Uh, that answered my question. Thank you. <laughs> Commissioner Willie. I have a question for Jeff um, or, or Becky or whoever would like to take this one. Um, we started a conversation at our last meeting about um, what it would take to open a text amendment to look at the rural home business regulations and see how much of that really maybe should be administrative and, and save people a, a, a public process uh, if, if possible. What's the status of, of that moving forward? Do we Were we going to get a report from from Tanya or a request, a specific request? Yeah, we were gonna get a request from Tanya and, and more information to follow up to help initiate that amendment. It's it's currently in the works. We just didn't have time to get it for you this month. Okay, thank you. I'm curious to see how we can make the process a little bit more streamlined uh, for people and 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 just have a discussion about um, what what is appropriate for a home business, what isn't appropriate for a home business, and when it really has to cross the line and come for a public process and when maybe it, it might not have to. So just trying to keep the businesses that we have afloat and um, but also have the public process when we need to for the neighbors. So thank you for that. Sure, National Planning Commission, do, are there any further comments? And if there's no further discussion from the commission, would somebody care to uh, give a motion? Commissioner Willie? Um, can I ask one more question? Uh, Mr. Gish, do you mind asking a question? Um, the concrete business that you have, location-wise, where do you serve? Is that in the rural area, in Baldwin, and Lawrence, or kind of all over? Mainly in Lawrence, but only Douglas County. We don't go outside Douglas County. Okay, thank you. If there's no further discussion, can I have a motion? Does anybody want to make a motion on this particular item from the commission? Commissioner Rexroad. Sure, I would be glad to do that. Let me get uh, to the right spot here. Um, I recommend um, approval of a conditional use permit CUP 22-00094 for equipment storage heavy use located at 564 East 1550 Road. Um, per the staff findings and the conditions noted in the staff report forward on to the County Commission for approval. Do we have a second? <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, Commissioner Butler is seconding. <laughs> I'm not on the screen, so. Okay, I, I gotcha, I gotcha. Thank uh, you. All right, so we have a, a motion and a second. 
Jeff, can we have the roll, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes nine to zero. Uh, thank you all. At this point, um, I will adjourn the joint meeting with the Baldwin City Planning Commission and reconvene the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission and welcome back Chair Sinclair. Goodbye, Chair <laughs> Uh, it'll take us to um, item number two, which is to um, consider consider rescinding the minimum maintenance road designation for a portion um, of East 750 Road from 742N to North 766 Road in Marion Township. Um, and I believe we have Avery Kerner to present. Yes, thank you. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Avery Kerner, and I am a planner with the City County Planning Division. This next item before you this evening is the consideration of a request to rescind the minimum maintenance road designation from a portion of East 750 Road located in Marion Township. The action required of the Planning Commission tonight is to provide and forward a recommendation on this request to the Board of County Commissioners. This request was made and submitted to the Douglas County Public Works Department by a property owner adjacent to the subject portion of East 750 Road. A location map showing the segment of East 750 Road that's proposed to be reverted back to full maintenance status has been provided with the staff report for this item in this evening's packet. East 750 Road was opened in 1913 and later declared a minimum maintenance road by the County Commission in 2001. Minimum maintenance roads are open public roads that receive little to no routine maintenance. These roads are primarily used for farm equipment, and while they can be used to access property, they cannot be used to provide access to a residence. Kansas statute allows for certain roads to be declared minimum maintenance and authorizes the Board of County Commissioners to be the final decision-making body when it comes to deciding if a road should or should not be declared minimum maintenance. In chapter nine of the county code, guidelines have been established for minimum maintenance roads to assist the board of county commissioners in making a decision on submitted requests. These guidelines also provide that the process for discontinuing a minimum maintenance road designation shall be the same process used to declare a minimum maintenance road. Reversing the minimum maintenance designation from the subject portion of East 750 Road requires a public hearing before the township Planning Commission and the Board of County Commissioners. Marion Township held a public hearing to consider their to consider this request at their Feb February monthly meeting and have forwarded a recommendation of approval. After tonight's meeting, the Board of County Commissioners will hold a final public hearing where they will receive the recommendations of the Township and the Planning Commission and make a final decision on the request. If the request is approved, the subject portion of East 750 Road would then have to be physically improved to provide proper water drainage and to allow normal everyday vehicles to travel safely on it like any other full maintenance road. The county engineer has assessed the road and determined that significant improvements would be needed to bring the road up to full maintenance status. The property owner who submitted the request would be responsible for providing improvement plans and for the cost of making the required road improvements. 
Improvement plans for the road would be reviewed and approved by the county engineer. And once those improvements have been made, the township would then take on the responsibility for regular maintenance of the road. If appropriate, staff recommends forwarding a recommendation of approval to the Board of County Commissioners for the request to rescind the minimum maintenance designation on an East 750 road from 742N to North 766 Road in Marion Township. And with that, I'll turn it over to Kevin Sontag with the Douglas County Public Works Department to provide some additional information on this item. Uh, thank you, Avery. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Uh, my name is Kevin Sontag. I'm the Douglas County Land Surveyor, and I'm the county representative who usually shepherds road issues like these uh, through these kind of processes. I think Avery did a fine job summarizing the situation. Uh, I did just want to add a few things regarding some of the landowners adjacent to this road that have and will continue to play a part in this minimum maintenance reversal process. The landowner to the east of E750 Road is willing to give additional road right-of-way easement to facilitate the road improvements that will be made if the minimum maintenance status of the road is rescinded. The current engineered plans show this proposed extended width, and it will be officially dedicated after the minimum maintenance process, but before any construction begins. The landowners on the west side of the road, the Hebes, who own the property north of the citizen making this request, have voiced some concerns about the maintenance reversal. Uh, they and their attorney, Rick Hurd, have been very kind and respectful thus far, voicing their concerns, and I wanted to briefly touch on the concerns here. Uh, they asked for an agricultural field entrance from the improved road. They will get one. No additional road right-of-way will be taken from them. It will not. The improvements will come at no cost to them. That is correct. No changes will be made to a utility easement on the west side of the road. No changes will be made. They asked for the engineered plans to satisfy county standards. The plans will. They asked the county to share the final plans when they are complete and prior to construction. The county will. They ask that the county will inspect the construction to ensure that the plans are being followed. The county will. Uh, the county hopes all of their concerns have been met and we're happy to keep communicating with them as this issue proceeds. Finally, the landowner making the request, Daniel Squires, uh, should be here at the meeting to answer any questions you may have. Chad Voigt, the county engineer and the director of public works should be here as well to answer questions. And if you have any for me, I'd be happy to answer them at this time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I guess then that brings it to the Squires. Mr. Squires, if, you, if you'd like to approach the podium and you have take up to 10 minutes, if you'd like to talk about this one. Um, basically, uh, the short story is, is that we uh, purchased 145 acres of land right down the road from our family farm. And this is where we would like to uh, make a residence eventually and uh, build a machine shed and build a farm that our kids can grow up on. Um, I am a local farmer in Douglas and Shawnee County areas. 
Um, my mom's side of the family has been in the county. Uh, they actually settled south of the town of Lone Star in 1860. So our roots run deep out there. And I understand the concern for urban sprawl and not wanting a whole lot of houses because that takes away from my profession of farming when we get nothing but houses out in the county. So um, I think part of the concern that um, some of like the Hebes or anybody else might have is that somebody were to buy that big a piece of ground and then we would split it up into lots and sell the lots for houses. And I am completely against that. That totally defeats the purpose of, of my profession. Um, and I, I just want a large piece of ground to raise my family on and to grow a farm on. And um, we've worked with the Hebes on some of the road conditions that they would like, like having a curve, because currently the road runs straight into their driveway. People just it's either you go left to go down a mud road or go straight into their house, basically, is how it works. And uh, they would like it to be curved. And our engineer, Dean Grobe, here local in Lawrence, has made it that way and has worked with Chad Voigt on, um, we've gone back and forth actually a couple times, you know, making plans the way that everybody wants them. And I think everybody's in agreement with, with those plans. Um, but um, as for like traffic in the area, I don't foresee there really being that big of an increase in traffic. Um, some people think of farms and they think of lots of semis going up and down the road and stuff like that. I actually have grain bins off site actually on uh, 800 road already. So that won't be affecting the area. Um, we worked with the Marion Township, had a couple meetings. This has been over a year in the making, about a year and a half in the making. Um, and uh, the township has said that this is probably going to be their nicest township road that they have in their entire township because we're making it to county standards. So um, other than that, it's just going to be my family, my wife, Becky. I have three little girls and a few tractors and combines going up and down the road seasonally. And, and that's it. So... Any questions at all? We may not have any now, Mr. Squires, but hang around because there probably will be some. Right, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, now, then, is the time for public comment. Is there anybody in the commission room uh, that would like to speak to this? And the other side of the road, uh, <laughs> landowner. Uh, Kevin, I would like to know how many feet 742 is. The Marion Township agreed to 1,250 feet. Is that 1,250 feet? That's correct. That 1,250 feet is the amount of uh, the length of the road that is being asked to be reverted back to full maintenance. Thank you very much. That's all I wanted. Uh, is there anybody else in the um, commission hearing room um, that wants to speak on this item? Is there anybody on the Zoom call that would like to offer comment on this item? I'm not seeing any raised hands. Okay. I will um, close public comment then and we'll, we'll uh, bring it back to the commission. Um, unless Mr. Squires, did you have any responses you wanted to make to the, the comment that was made? Okay. We may have uh, questions though. I'll bring it up to the commission. Um, are there any commissioners that have questions? Um, they'd like to start with? Yep. Commissioner Shanklin, go ahead. Uh, Greg Shanklin, Planning Commissioner. Um, this is a question 
possibly for Kevin Sontag or perhaps um, Avery or Jeff. Um, ordinarily, when we receive uh, correspondence that's submitted as part of our packages for public comment, uh, they contain either factual representations or opinions. But in this particular instance, all the correspondence we have um, describes, um, at least from the perspective of Mr. Hurd and his client, an agreement to do certain things. And as I was listening to Mr. Sontag, um, some of, of what's in their correspondence was addressed, but not entirely. And I'm wondering, in as a commissioner, what am I supposed to consider when I look at uh, public correspondence that describes an agreement? Because I, the agreement is not reflected in any of the documentation provided by Marion Township. Um, and so uh, are we just to disregard it or does it have materiality here that we should uh, consider <clears throat> is there an agreement or not it's a simple short question <laughs> well it's a uh, uh, chad i see you have just popped on uh, chad voigt uh, would you like to address that yeah i i think there is not an agreement uh, you know, I think uh, the letter kind of puts it in terms that what they heard at the township meeting were answers to their concerns and some promises being made, and they're referring to that as an agreement. And you know, in some respects, it's an agreement, but it's not—it's not a legally binding agreement that you have to, you know, ensure is being enforced or something like that. So, um, I, I feel like we've we've addressed we and the applicant and and um, the township and everybody involved in this process has tried to address some concerns and and so there's some agreements that are in place you know to to get us through this process and uh, really the question is are there any of these that we can't clear by the time the process is complete and i don't feel that there are but uh, certainly that's your prerogative to ask that question thanks Uh, I guess um, sort of piggybacking on that uh, question from Commissioner Shanklin, uh, and I guess maybe this is for a Avery or, or Kevin or maybe Jeff, I'm not sure, or Chad, anybody. This is to the to the group. Uh, I the sort of process of how um, uh, the minimum maintenance road uh, decision works makes sense to me. I guess that what I'm sort of lost on is you know once it once it's out of the township and it's made its way in front of the border county commissioners and they sort of initiate the process and it comes here uh, i know what the border county commissioners are supposed to consider I, I i saw that is that are those are the same criteria we look at when we're evaluating um uh one of these applications or or is is this more of like a free-ranging discussion um I, I would say it's yeah more of a free-ranging discussion. The um, um, I'm trying to pull up the uh, document here um, that laid out the kind of guidelines for minimum maintenance roads. It was a county home rule resolution back in 1992, and it just discusses that um, uh, these are the things that the Board of County Commissioners could look at. Uh, they're not even strict guidelines that have to be met 
Um, so as far as uh, tonight, like the planning commission and what they look at, they can free range, they can kind of use, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever logic or reasoning they would like uh, before making a recommendation to the board of county commissioners. Okay. Does anybody else have a question? Go ahead, Commissioner Carpenter. Uh, as Commissioner Shanklin uh, pointed out, we have an email and letters that specify some agreements, but they don't rise to the level of any legal. <laughs> They're not binding on anybody. They're just kind of mutual promises at this time. We also have uh, the applicant, Mr. Squires, uh, giving us assurances as we're making farmland, but what we're doing here is really the status of a road. We don't know what may happen with that land. So I guess in part to answer what I think some of what we should discuss or raise as issues for the county commission to consider is if this goes back to a maintained road, maintained township road, uh, what kind of development could occur on that land if a year from now they decide to stop farming and to turn it into uh, residences, because that is an issue that's coming up with the county about uh, rural development. So I guess one of my questions is to whoever can answer it is given these parcels of land, how could they be subdivided for residences if it goes out of farming production, which I hope it does not, and I'm pretty sure it won't, but I think this is where we are, is what can happen if we approve this. This is Avery Kerner, planning staff, and um, I can uh, try to provide an answer on that. Um, so right now, the, the property or the, yeah, the property surrounding or adjacent to the subject road is predominantly zoned uh, Ag 1 uh, district in the county, uh, but there is some land that's zoned Ag 2. So any rural land divisions taking place in this area would um, be pretty limited to what's allowed by the joint uh, city-county subdivision regulations. You know, pull up um, some notes real quick to, to reference. Um, Let's see here. So the agricultural one uh, zoned land is um, eligible to undergo land division uh, through the agricultural subdivision boundary survey process outlined in the uh, subdivision regulations. Um, in dividing or subdividing that land, uh, those divisions would be required to meet um, any other applicable requirements of the subdivision regulations related to uh, uh, on-site sewage management, dimensional and access standards, uh, but that ag one land would uh, at minimum need to be uh, a total of 20 acres in size each. Um, and then for the Ag 2 land, um, that land would be eligible to undergo land division through the Rural Certificate of Survey process. Um, same situation, it would be the, those rural land divisions would require um, to be required to meet all other applicable uh, standards related to, to sewage management, dimensional um, and access standards. And those would be uh, allowed to have a minimum lot size of 10 acres. 
And so um, both of those districts uh, are predominantly um, intended for agricultural uses. The detached dwelling residences are permitted on um, in both of those resident or in both of those zoning districts. Um, and so in order to develop the property in a way um, outside of what's allowed in the the use tables for each of those zoning districts, they would be required to, to rezone the properties. I can uh, flesh that out a little more. Thanks, Avery. Um, the dimensional requirements for the parcels out there on this road, the only parcel that is of the Ag 2 zone that Avery mentioned uh, is already uh, slightly more than 10 acres. Uh, so that one is not eligible for any further division. The rest of the property along this road are zoned Ag 1, which does require that 20 acre minimum that Avery mentioned. On the east side of the road, the parcel that fronts this road is a 40 acre parcel. So there is a possibility of one division for two 20 acre parcels. On the west side of the road, uh, one of the limitations that is going to come up is the road frontage requirement. On this particular road, the frontage requirement is 250 feet. The parcels that front on the west side of the road, uh, one the, the, in the Ag 1 zone, one of them owned by uh, the Hebes, uh, is less than 500. So it does not have enough for a division, which would be 250 times 2. Uh, Mr. Squire's property comes next uh, to the south of the Hebes. They would have the one residence that Mr. Squires is hoping for today. And uh, that would be just about it. So as far as division, um, there's there looks like a pop, you know, off the top of my head, it looks like there's only the possibility of the one division on the east side of the road and none of the other partial shapes should be able to change based off of this road maintenance reversal. Um, so the, the acreage and the frontage requirements are the thing that is really going to hold back any type of division here. And uh, the zoning itself is going to prevent any type of extreme dense subdivision or something like that. That won't happen. Little, you know, one acre lots or, or things like that that is not allowed in this zone. So um, Commissioner Carpenter, I hope that answers your question. I think so. So what basically we're saying and this is gets to the heart of I think what the planning commission is for is that we get if we <clears throat> recommend changing this back to a maintained road we can have three developable lots at a maximum under the current code conditions is that am I understanding you correctly that would have access <laughs> to the road uh yes I, I would say possibly uh a fourth uh, uh the Hebes technically do have a second piece of property they could uh, put a residence on uh, to the south of their existing residence. Uh, just from discussions with them in the past, I don't believe that is something they would would like. Um, so, but but with with them possibly having one residential building site, Mr. Squires having one, and the property owner on the east side possibly having two, I think we would be looking at a, a maximum four, and probably not getting to that fourth one. All right. Is it still 
Is it still permitted under the county code to have a shared driveway that goes into more than one lot? So we only have one access onto the actual road? Uh, a shared entrance is a allowed. Shared uh, a shared driveway is usually not. I know it's not it's preferred, but I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's, it's, yeah, it's worth pointing out that um, he's improving 1,250 feet, which just gets him past the first track that he owns, um, and, and it's not going further. So I think... Mr. Squires is already limiting development potential with his request. You know, if, if we're worried about this having a lot more lo uh, housing on it, then the request would probably look more like, you know, a quarter mile long. It's at least if somebody was truly interested in, in developing, they're going to want to maximize frontage with this project that they're undertaking. That, the, the amount of frontage that uh, Squires is getting out of this is um, 400 feet. So improving 1,250 feet of road and getting 400 feet of frontage out of the deal. So um, it, it's sort of implicit that development is not a, an obvious outcome of this. And, and I guess I would say also that a minimum maintenance reversal is not an opportunity to limit development. That would be the actual request later for the use of that land. I think the thing to, to remember is that this road's been there 100 years. And so this is a change in uh, maintenance and then makes it possible to pull building permits on existing lots. If somebody wants to subdivide, that's when you see that again. And you know, they could they could subdivide and ask for the minimum maintenance in the same step. And and that's not what's happening here. I understand. I, I just wanted to <clears throat> verify that this is one step towards that possibility. I'm not saying that they're going to do it. I don't expect it's going to happen. But I just wanted that to be on the table when it goes back to the county commission with whatever our recommendation is. Because I... I agree. You know, it, if it was just for development, it would be done in a combination. So I think this is going to stay farmland, but I just wanted to figure out what the development potential was so we could have that as part of what goes on from here. Thanks, Commissioner Carpenter. Thanks, Avery, Kevin, and Chad, too, for those comments. Uh, Commissioner Ashworth, did I see your hand up? Or am I imagining that? Uh, no, Sharon Ashford, Planning Commissioner. And just as I was going to ask that question, um, Chad Voigt answered it. So that took care of my question. Thank you. Questions. Are there any other um, questions? The commission. Uh, does anybody else have any concerns that need to be flushed out? <coughs> <clears throat> okay. Um, <coughs> would anyone care to make a motion? Does anyone feel comfortable to do that? Commissioner Rexroad? Yeah, if we're ready, um, I'd make a motion um, that we approve MM-22-0001 
um, to rescind the minimum maintenance designation for East 750 Road from 724 North to North 766 Road in Marion Township for the findings and staff report forward to the uh, Board of County Commissioners for approval. Thanks, Commissioner Rexroads. That's a motion to um, approve it and forward it with that recommendation to the Board of County Commissioners. Um, do we have a second? Commissioner Butler? Thank you for that second. Is there any other um, conversation or comments that any commissioners have before we vote on this one? Um, I guess I would just say I, I appreciate your, your question, Commissioner Carpenter, because I thought that um, brought to four sort of maybe ma the main concern that we would have as a planning commission. I couldn't think of anything else particularly. And, and some of the things that county commissioners need to think about are obviously beyond um, and our concerns as a planning commission. Um, so I guess with that, Jeff, could you go ahead and read the roll? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes nine to zero. Good, thank you. And thank you to the applicant. Um, that will take us to item number three, which is to consider approving a conditional use permit, um, CUP 2200087 for equipment storage, heavy use, located at 198 North 1250 Road. Uh, and we have Catherine Week, who's gonna present on this one. Thank you, Chair. Um, Good evening again, Commissioners. Catherine Week, Planner. Um, as the Chair mentioned, this uh, request is for CUP 2200087. Um, it's located at the property 198 North 1250 Road. Uh, the reason this quest, request is coming before you, uh, the request is for the storage again of heavy equipment. This would be associated with an offsite business, um, first management. This would be for their landscaping division. Um, they are relocating their headquarters um, and storage would not be permitted at the um, headquarters location. So they are looking to store their landscaping equipment um, at 158 acre parcel uh, located in the county. Uh, the storage on the property would be located in the um, southeast portion of the property, which is already developed with uh, large agricultural buildings or residents. Um, the applicant is proposing that the storage of equipment would be taking place in two of the existing structures as noted in the diagram in the staff report. And that some areas for mulch uh, would also be stored in mulch bins adjacent to those buildings. And a, a small area adjacent to that um, potentially for outdoor storage where there is already some outdoor storage occurring on the site. Uh, the key points of this particular ask, um, again, this is AG1 zoning. So exterior storage does require conditional use permits to be permitted in the district. Uh, the applicant has stated um, that the use is not generating any on-site traffic. Uh, the primary business is located off-site and this is simply the storage location for the landscaping equipment associated with that business. There are no current proposed changes uh, to the site or buildings on the site. Um, there are existing barns and a designated area 
uh, for the equipment, which can be accommodated or accommodate the equipment storage. So if there were any future changes to be proposed, um, that would need to come back before uh, Douglas County zoning codes for any changes to any buildings or exterior lighting or anything of that sort. Uh, the property, property currently stores various farm implements and farm-related equipment. This would be adding the additional landscaping equipment to this location uh, for the storage of that uh, off-site business. Uh, mulch storage, again, would be outside in a concrete storage bin. Um, the applicant has stated that there will be approximately two employees uh, sent to pick up equipment in the morning and return them at the end of the day. Um, there also would be a slight increase if it's mulch season. Uh, where they would bring the mulch trucks back to fill up the mulch and then take them back uh, to the properties uh, for uh, mulching. The travel routes for this particular uh, use um, is serviced entirely on paved roads. The applicant has stated that that would be via North 1250 uh, Road or Highway 458 and East 250 Road, also known as Highway 1023. Um, so again, in analyzing uh, conditional use permits. We have a series of criteria that we look at, um, those related to the compatibility for regulations for the use, the compatibility with zoning, compatibility with the character of the area, whether or not the property is still suitable for their uses as it is restricted, whether there are impacts on the natural environment, um, whether there are any impacts to the community or existing infrastructure that's already in place, and whether or not term limits are appropriate. Um, staff has analyzed those criteria and is making a recommendation for approval with a series of conditions that are listed in the staff report. Uh, staff would also like to note that um, in the, in the can considerations or criteria that we look at, um, again, the conditional use permit is not changing the underlying zoning. This is 158 acre parcel, most of which is being farmed. Um, the developed area of the parcel in the southeast um, section um, that already has ag buildings is where the storage will be taking place. No changes are being proposed, so SAP does not feel that the zoning or the character of the area is being impacted in that regard. And the natural environment, um, this again is farmland, and the farmland that is being farmed is not being altered by this particular use. Um, I would be happy to answer any questions or clarify any of the conditions that staff is proposing. And I do believe that the applicant is also here um, and can answer questions uh, if you have them as well. Thank you, Catherine. Um, and I think we have, uh, is it Brandy Sutton for the applicant? That is correct, commissioners. My name is Brandy Sutton. I'm the director of operations for first management. Uh, uh, Ma'am, if you'd like, you could take up to 10 minutes to um, offer any other comments or a presentation. Um, basically, this is a common ownership situation. Um, the parcel of land, the 158 acres is actually part of approximately 1,200 that is contiguous to that property. Uh, the relocation of our corporate headquarters will not permit us to put any type of exterior storage. Uh, the storage that we're going to be using at the farm is for lawn mowers, hand equipment, um, mulch bins, things that are unfortunately easy, easy to steal if left outside unsecured in the city limits. So we're asking that this be granted. Um, our 
plan of operations is to have two designated employees who go to the property during mowing season, pick up the equipment, bring it back to the offices where the other employees will clock in and join the crew to go work for the day. All billing and operational issues would be handled at the corporate offices. There would not be any customer traffic, et cetera, to the property. And I'd be happy to stand for questions. Thank you, Ms. Sutton. Um, are there any members of the public here in person that would like to offer comments on this item? How about um, on the Zoom call? Is there anybody on the uh, call there that wants to offer comment on this? I do not see any raised hands. Okay. Uh, we'll close public comment and bring it up to the commission for discussion then. Um, does, do any commissioners have any questions they'd like to start with? I guess I, I could, I was sorry. I'll, I'll defer to you, Commissioner Shanklin, go ahead. Greg Shanklin, Planning Commissioner. Uh, just to follow on to um, Commissioner Carpenter's comment on the previous heavy equipment and storage application. Um, this particular application is submitted by the property owner of record and does not appear to be tied to any particular user. Whereas the last one was tied to uh, the existence of an organization that whose continued operation in that regard um, was effectively a condition to the conditional use permit. Um, I just, I, I point that only because it seems that um, in the future, these may actually make a difference to the applicant. And we might want to counsel them that those small limitations can either be important or just, you know, hurdles to clear in the future when businesses change. So I, I just thought I'd bring that up. Thank you, Commissioner Shanklin. Um, uh, one question I had uh, for the applicant, Ms. Sutton, um, is I may have missed this in the report, but what is currently being uh, stored at the farm? The farm is this Go ahead. The farm is an active ranching operation with um, row crop as well as cattle on it. So the equipment at the actual location is all farm related equipment for that 1200 acres that's being farmed there. Okay, so it's not the, the equipment that would be stored there if the no. CUP were granted is not currently there. No, the equipment that's going to be stored there is currently located at our corporate offices, which are in an IG zoning at 1451 North 1823, where we currently have uh, large warehouse type buildings to store that equipment. Thank you. Does anybody else have any comments or they want to run? Commissioner Rexford, go ahead. Thank you. Um, a question, I think, first for staff. Um, what uh, I'm looking at the conditions um, that are uh, being requested here, um, and item number seven is uh, hazardous chemicals. Um, what what fits into that category? Um, is that we're we talking about fertilizers, gasoline, diesel? Um, what, what makes something hazardous versus not in a normal farm setting? Yeah, that would be large quantities of fertilizer or diesel. The applicant hadn't indicated that those were um, items that might be stored at this site. So staff 
on the conservative side was just including that as a condition um, in case, you know, in the future there's scope creep of some sort that gives the county uh, something to hold on to in the, in the conditional use permit that they can address if gotcha. necessary. Yeah. Thank you. And, and on item number six, wholesale retail sales prohibited this site. Um, uh, this is a storage area um, for equipment. It sounds like there's going to be storage of mulch that presumably is going to be sold. Um, how did uh, how close are what what makes something um, wholesale or retail from the site um, when clearly things are stored there that are being sold? Yeah, so that that so. It shouldn't be being sold there. That mulch would be used for their business. They're a property maintenance business, so they would be taking the mulch to their property that they own. Um, so that condition clarifies that it would not be up for retail sale where per outside purchasers come to get it or for wholesale for okay. outside purchasers to come to get it. So it's right. just for their use. Catherine, thank you so much. So a last question, I think, uh, for Brandy. Um, uh, are you familiar with these nine conditions? Do yes, these, I am. And do these nine conditions make sense for you, not only for um, what you're asking for, for the addition of storage of equipment and storage of mulch, but your day-to-day -day operations of this entire area? Does that, does that make sense for you? Yes, it does. Be, like I said, this is simply a place to safely store equipment. Um, our major concern, obviously, with relocating into Lawrence is theft of lawn mowers, landscaping items. Um, so, so those conditions are really within what our vision is for the use of the CUP at that ranch. Masha, thanks you, Brandy. Commissioner Willie, go ahead. Uh, a couple of questions, Ms. Sutton, if you don't mind. Um, one is, is there a residence at the location with the proposed storage? Yes, our head of farms lives on that property. Okay. Um, and the, the the 458 is paved even as you come off of um, the main road around Clinton? Yes, it's paved all the way up to a little bit past the entrance to the ranch. Okay. Thank you. Um, I guess just a comment that this is a little different from the other heavy use uh, storage that we saw, that the first was an extension of a home business, and this is a... I assume this is a strictly Lawrence business. Uh, all of the properties are owned in Lawrence and that's what this would service? That's correct. Okay. Um, and landscape businesses have been one that we have struggled with because they, the city of Lawrence doesn't tend to host them very well and then they push them out of town and then, um, then we end up with a lot of road miles that we wouldn't otherwise have for a business that is strictly for the city of Lawrence. Um, it, it's a long way around. It's a lot of road miles. It, it does give me some, um, some it helps me some to think that as it's paved uh, for the, the entire duration. So we don't have gravel roads that are being impacted by that. Um, it does also concern me a little that we've gone from um, an, something that, that could occur on an IG property that is now going to be occurring on an ag property. Um, and, and yet it is a, you know, it, it is, it is for a, a large business that supports Lawrence. And so that tax base then is, is lost from IG to, to, to ag. Um, I, I recognize that, that there aren't a lot of options or easy options within Lawrence. I know there's uh, industrial property in Lawrence that would also supply the kind of storage we're looking for. So I, I have to say, I, I don't love it. I see that those differences matter to me that, um, um, 
moving things out of town that really belong in town, uh, as opposed to say someone who lives there that is the business owner that is storing something that serves, yes, maybe Lawrence, but also surrounding areas in, in the county also. So I'm, I'm ready to hear from other commissioners in terms of reactions to some of those points. Uh, Commissioner, if I could address that. The road, the road miles were a large concern to us when we started looking at this. Um, you know, our, our owner is very conscientious of preserving that area around Barrington as agricultural land. Um, that was one of our considerations when saying, if we are going to go this direction, <laughs> Our staff is all going to be a corporate and we will have one or two designated people to go out and pick that equipment up to prevent any type of heavy use in that local area. And I do appreciate that. I think the the difference would be the mulch where there's multiple trips for a particular purpose, but that that does that does help that there's some functionality <laughs> about, about the mileage. Uh Maybe to, I don't know if this dovetails with that at all, but um, if I'm understanding it correctly, th this CUP would not displace the current agricultural use uh, of the property. Uh, and so, not. okay. Okay. Does any, do any commissioners um, have thoughts or comments in response to some of the things that Commissioner Willie brought up? All well taken. Well, I, I'm intrigued by the tax issue, but I don't think we get to decide on that. So, <laughs> but that's a that's a great point to to think about, point out to the commissions. So, mm -hmm. I wish we could take those things into consideration. Anybody else? Did you raise your hand? Yes. To make a motion. Oh, to make a motion. Yes. Actually, before you do that, oh, I want to Karen's comment. Um, and this is a question for Catherine. I just, and perhaps I should have asked this in the last, um, the, the last conditional use permit for heavy equipment, but um, how do we go about assessing the incremental road miles and their impacts and whether or not uh, they're good for the county. How do we do that? So that's where I mean, um, counties and <laughs> codes and um, county public works are really good for weighing in on the review criteria for these. So if they have concerns about the number of trips or the roads um, in question, they, they definitely will usually make a comment and recommend additional conditions if necessary. Um, so that that's the opportunity for that. And that helps guide planning staff when we are drafting those conditions for you all to look at. So. Okay. I, I ask uh, in large part because I, I find that often uh, we're faced with issues that we don't have sufficient data to analyze ourselves on the fly in a meeting like this. So thanks. Uh, 
before we take a moment, I, it's probably my fault. I should ask if one last call for comments before Commissioner Butler uh, makes a motion. Does anybody have any others? I keep thinking you have your hand up, Commissioner. Oh, no. <laughs> I will keep my hands. Your hands yeah, on the chair. Unless you get one um, okay. Well, go ahead, Commissioner Butler, if you're still up for it. I am. I move that we recommend approval of the conditional use permit for the heavy, the equipment storage heavy at 198 North 1250 Road and forward this application to the Board of County Commissioners with a recommendation for approval based on the findings of fact presented in the staff report and subject to the conditions listed therein. Thanks, Commissioner Butler. So that was a motion to approve it and forward it on with re recommendation for approval. Um, as she stated more eloquently, is there a second? Commissioner Rexroad, thank you. Seconded by hand motion. Um, does anybody else have any comments to make before we vote? So we'll just real quick. Yeah. I do not feel strongly against it, but I do want to make sure that it gets a full consideration at the county commission. So I will likely, I'm assuming from I'm hearing that it will likely pass, but I will vote against it just to make sure that it gets pulled forward full discussion. Or not just this one, but for you know this issue that keeps coming up. Appreciate that. Anybody else before we vote? Um, seeing none, Jeff, can you read the roll, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexrow? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? No. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? No. I thought I'd be all alone. Motion passes <laughs> eight to two. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you. Uh, oh, sorry. Catherine has something to say. That was my last item tonight. So I just want to say thank you for your dedication to the uh, planning commissioners who are leaving this evening. And hope you all do well in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. Um, that takes us to uh, item number four. Um, which is to consider approving a conditional use permit, CUP 2200088, for nonprofit educational or philanthropic um institutional use on approximately 28 acres at 808 east 1500 road in baldwin city and i believe we have mary miller with us um on the line there to present thank you good evening commissioners i will share my screen real quickly here As you mentioned, this is a conditional use permit for a nonprofit educational or philanthropic institutional use, which would be the Live and Learn Education Center that is proposed at 808 East 1500 Road. Uh, the subject property is located about a mile south of the southern border of the Lawrence UGA and about a mile north of the Baldwin City Three Mile Planning Area of Influence. And it is just east of Highway 59, um, about even with the Pleasant Grove community. 
The subject property contains about 28 acres and it has a new residence. Um, it's too new to be shown on our aerials, but the triangle shows the location of the new house. Uh, the former residence is marked with a circle and that was where the proposed education center would be located. Um, the property also contains a quite a bit of vegetation, agricultural outbuildings, and a pond. The CUP itself consists of about one and a half acres, and it would be, as I mentioned, that former residents would be planned to be converted to the education center. Uh, required parking would be added, uh, garden areas, so small um, green rectangles up in the top right-hand corner would be added, and then playground areas would be added um, along the south and west side of the building. An access is proposed to North 800 Road, but this would be emergency only, uh, so that there are two ways in and out in case there isn't an emergency. And with our CUPs, we always review them with the review criteria and the zoning regulations, which include the Goldman factors. And the first one we look at is the compatibility of the proposed use with the zoning and land uses of the nearby area. Uh, the nearby area has a mix of Ag 1 and Ag 2 zoning. So there are two agricultural districts differing primarily in the size of parcels. It also has a pretty large area of clustered preservation zoning, which is unusual as it's located outside of the urban growth area. Uh, this had been zone A1, the uh, rural suburban residential district um, prior it was before I came here. So it's been historically A1 for quite a while. And that zoning designation converted to CP with the adoption of the 2020 um, zoning regulations. And in the bottom right corner, we see the land uses in the area. Uh, there's a lot of agricultural uses, primarily grasslands. There are woodlands in the area, stream corridors, and rural residences. And the yellow dot marks the good earth gatherings. That's another um, use that has a conditional use permit. It's classified as a recreation facility, but primarily it has classes uh, working on sustainability. Uh, they look at, I can't say for sure what they do, but I know they do classes with herbs and gardening and, and other types of activities such as that. It's primarily geared toward adults. It's limited to no more than 18 people at a time. And the closing time is 9 p.m on that one. The area contains a mix of agricultural and residential zoning districts. Primary land uses are agriculture, detached dwellings, and woodland. The proposed use should be compatible with the zoning and land uses in the area, given the small scale of the proposed project. And to ensure compatibility, potential negative impacts would be mitigated with appropriate site design and conditions. And with all CUPs, the uh, possible negative impacts are usually lighting, outdoor activities and traffic. And we'll discuss those a little later. We review the proposed project for the potential impact on the character of the area. And as a rule, we look at about a mile around the subject property. Um, the mile around the subject property is very similar to the nearby area. It consists of woodlands, agricultural lands and rural residences. Uh, there is floodplain in the area and that is on the subject property, but this conditional use permit that's being proposed is not within the floodplain. Uh, school uses are typically considered compatible with residential uses. However, uh, as I mentioned, there can be negative impacts which would need to be mitigated. Uh, the red dots here mark where the 
playgrounds would be proposed and the uh, dense on-site vegetation would uh, buffer any noise from nearby properties. Um, also, the applicant mentioned they did not plan any additional exterior lighting, but one of the conditions that's being recommended is a note added to the plan, just to clarify that if any new exterior lighting is planned in the future, uh, the lighting fixtures and the lighting would need to be provided to the planning office for approval prior to installation. The access drive to the facility is over 950 feet long. Uh, this would be a two-way driveway with a loop drive. Um, this is adequate to accommodate the vehicles as they come to pick up or uh, drop off students. The proposal is to have uh, a maximum of 30 students and three employees. Uh, they plan to serve pre-K up to middle school, so it'd be about about four years to 11 years of age. So the students themselves would not be driving, they'd be dropped off and picked up. And so one thing we always look at is, is there adequate space for the vehicles to queue as people drop them off? It won't create traffic issues on the adjacent roadway. Um, and this is enough room, 950 feet is enough room for all 30 cars to arrive. And at one time, they could all be accommodated on the driveway without needing to be on the adjacent roadway. Uh, that would require 540 feet. So the driveway is quite adequate. It would need to be widened to 20 feet to accommodate two-way traffic. And that is noted as one of the conditions. So the area, similar to the nearby area, has a mix of agricultural and residential uses. Uh, given the small scale of the proposed educational center and no new exterior lighting and the existing vegetation on the site, the use should not negatively impact uh, the character of the area. Um, some of the other factors we looked at is what is the suitability of the subject property to the uses to which it is currently restricted. Um, given the way it's developed with the vegetation, the outbuildings, the residence, the pond, it's not particularly well suited for agriculture, but it is well suited for the residential and residentially related uses that are permitted in Ag 1. And it is also well suited for the use that's being proposed. Um, there should be no impact on the natural environment. Um, the health department will evaluate the septic system, the sizing to ensure that it's adequate for the number of students. Um, there'd be no other potential impacts. There'll be no emissions. And there are no new structures being built. So we wouldn't be impacting any uh, environmentally sensitive lands. We always look at the conformance with our comprehensive plan. And there are several recommendations. Uh, a principal recommendation in the plan is to minimize the conversion of agricultural land to non-agricultural uses. And in this case, there, this would not involve the conversion of any agricultural land. And another um, recommendation is to encourage entrepreneurship and home-based occupations, which that's would fit into the category of a home-based business. And so the proposed use is in conformance with the recommendations in Plan 2040. Um, it is compliant with the zoning regulations. The building is set into the property. The setbacks are observed. The required parking would be provided. And then we always look at the impact on community facilities, uh, transportation network, or utilities. This is from the staff report. It's a pretty busy graphic, but it's showing the, the higher classification road network in the area. The red lines are the principal arterials. The green is a minor arterial. The golden lines are major collectors, and then the yellow lines are the minor collectors, and the subject property is identified with the star. And so uh, we discussed the uh, proposal with the um, Palmyra 
Township trustee, and he expressed concern with traffic being on North 800 Road, being a gravel road. And um, the applicant met with them, and I think he discussed over the phone that they could uh, set a different route and they could use North 900 Road, which is a paved road, and avoid North 800 Road. Um, however, you'll notice in our communications, we received several letters, I think two letters, expressing concern with the use of East 1500 Road to access the facility. East 1500 Road is a paved road, but one of the letters noted that the residents in a platted subdivision um, all co contributed money in order to pave it originally. And they noted that it's not being well maintained. And the township trustee, I spoke with him today, and he uh, he indicated that it's not uh, in their budget to really maintain it. And as it deteriorates, at some point, they will convert it back to a gravel road. And so then um, I asked if he had concerns with this use being on a gravel road, and he expressed that yes, he did. He had concerns with that. And so um, staff's recommendation might have been different had we had that information before the staff report was prepared. However, based on that, um, you have a couple options. Uh, one, you could recommend denial based on the concerns with the use on the, um, on the adjacent roadways. Or you could forward it to the county commission with a recommendation for approval contingent on the applicant working with the township to see if they can work out an alternate route or um, maintenance provisions or something that would allow it to be accommodated per the county commission's approval. And so uh, these are the conditions. Um, and in bold is how they would be revised if you chose that option. But the conditions that are being recommended now are um, there's there's three sets. The first concerns actions that have to occur before the plans are released. Um, if these actions aren't met, they are, they're not released and the use can't move forward. Uh, the documentation of the nonprofit status, they've applied for that and they'll provide that when, they, when that's provided to them. Uh, the health department must approve the proposed septic system. And if you wanted with the app option, then the township or county commission acceptance of the route and a provisions to assist with the maintenance of that uh, township road. Uh, the second set of conditions noted in the staff report are revisions that are needed to the plan. Uh, one is the addition of that note I mentioned uh, regarding exterior lighting. Uh, just a reminder that if any is going to be added, it needs to be approved first. Uh, another comment that parking spaces may need to be relocated based on the health department's um, review. And if so, then they could just be relocated. And then the driveway would need to be widened and shown that it's two-way. And then that the conditions and restrictions of use be noted on the plan. That way they're available easily to everyone. And then the third set of conditions are those restrictions and conditions of use. To ensure that the use remains small scale, the capacity would be limited to 30 students and no more than three employees. It would be for the pre-K to middle school children, which usually is 40, 11 years old. The hours would be 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., and they intend to follow a rather typical school schedule. You know, nothing on the weekends, only from Monday through Friday with seasonal breaks. And then we have a had a condition noting that the vehicles accessing the site from the south or the east would use North 900 Road. However, with the new information on East 1500 Road, that may need to be revised if it moves forward um, with additional information on either an alternate route to avoid North East 1500 Road or on maintenance measures. So that concludes my presentation. I uh, don't know if the applicant was able to make it. He was uh, snowed in, but I do believe that he has a representative um, here to speak on the subject today as well. Thank you very much, Mary. Um, 
Who, is there anybody either on the Zoom call or in person that's here to represent the applicant? Aaron Carter? Yes, sir. Yep, if you, uh, you have up to 10 minutes if you'd like to offer comments on behalf of the uh, applicant. Well, we don't have much to add. Um, Mary did a pretty good job of describing the intent with CUP. Um, I guess the primary concern is the condition of the road, 1500 road. Um, the traffic that would be added um, as a result of this education center would be light in nature, would not be any sort of heavy commercial traffic, um, would be light um, passenger vehicles only. So I don't see there being a significant impact above and beyond the residential traffic and light business traffic that's already on the road. Um, however, I'm sure the residents have a better feel for that than we do. Um, as far as any maintenance on the road, you know, I'm sure we could be open to speaking on behalf of Jeremy Roderick, the property owner, um, be open to a fair share of the participation in any sort of dust mitigation measures if they convert it back to a gravel road or chipping in um, just as the residents have before to get the potholes patched. Um, but as far as a complete repaving of the road, the school uh, would not be able to afford something that expensive. Um, it, would, it would be cost prohibitive. Um, Aside from that, I guess we are available for any questions. Great, thank you very much. We may have some. Um, we will open it up to public comment then. Is there anybody here in the in the commission room that wants wants to speak? Please uh, approach the podium and um, just remember to state your name and your address, and then you'll you'll have three minutes um, to talk. My name is Curtis Charbach. I live at seven three seven East fourteen eighty five Road. Uh, my big concern is, uh, I don't know how many of the commission have been reading uh, about uh, what's going on in the public schools, uh, but I'm well aware of what this looks like to me is uh, saying a nonprofit, but uh, what I'm thinking it's gonna be is taking away from public education funds in the very near future with vouchers. Now, uh, if they're going to have a school there, they need to open it up for everybody, and they need to follow under state guidelines of providing transportation for individuals, handicapped transportation, uh, special needs students, and be all-inclusive and not just in a religious affiliation school. If they want to have a religious affiliation school, take it to the church. That's my opinion. And I frankly don't want the extra traffic out in that area. The roads are bad enough. Take it back, 1500 back to uh, gravel would be fine with me. It would deter traffic. Uh, but it behooves the commission to really consider what this means as far as where we're going with public education. I, I highly recommend you deny the application. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Would you mind spelling your last name uh, before you sit down? T as in Tom, R as in Robert, A as in Alpha, R as in Robert, B as in Boy, A as in Alpha, C as in Charlie, H as in Howard, Thank you. Thank you, sir.
Um, other members of the public here in person? Thank you. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Martha Gunn, and I live at 1469 North 718 Road. I am opposed to the school conditional use permit due to the conditions of North 800 to 900 Road. Because this road, this section, this one mile road has been patched, repatched, patched, repatched over and over again. Right now, we must dodge holes and rough patches and loose gravel as we go that mile stretch. There are over 40 patches in this one mile stretch. About 16 years ago, area residents got together and I was included, my husband and I, and we paid, we chipped in $500 for this one mile section to be paved, and it was with the understanding that it would be maintained. That has not been the case. There are two bridges that are at the 800 end that are narrower than the road, and drivers usually have to take turns passing through this narrow section of the road. Another 66 daily trips with children as passengers on this stretch of road would increase wear and tear and increase the safety concerns. This road needs to be repaved, not repatched, repaved, not taken back to gravel, repaved. And for these reasons, I remain opposed to this school. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Gunn. Yep, go ahead, sir. Hi, uh, well, I'm John Blau. I live at 828 East 1500 Road. I'm next door. Um, I'd like to address, well, the road. For I've talked to the people in Palmyra about the town thing. We missed it by one vote to get it repaid about three years ago, but they haven't done anything but patch it. But uh, my concern, well, there's several. But anyway, the traffic thing, the uh, traffic on the road is they talk about the wear and tear on the road. But the traffic's before school and after school. It's all at once. And at the same time, everybody's coming home and going to work. She mentioned the bridges. There's that. Well, also, if they uh, widen the uh, road 20 feet, that's still a narrow two-lane road. And he just put in a gate that's not 20 feet, so it's a choke point. So I see that there's going to be... I. I guess for that there's going to be uh, tr a traffic problem there because it's, everybody's coming there all at once. The people uh, taking their kids to school, picking them up, and the people that are going to work and coming home. Um, I believe, you know, plus the wear and tear on the thing. And uh, another thing, too, I was kind of curious about is, is, I know both of those things are slabs. Do they need tornado uh, shelters in schools? Because I don't think they have anything 
for that that I am aware of. I've never been to the I've never I've never been to the property, so I just see it through the trees. Oh, and about noise. Yeah, vegetation does cut the noise down because we can hear the turkeys, the donkeys and everything much better uh, during the winter when the leaves are on the ground than during the summer when the leaves are there. But I'm pretty sure school's there in the winter. So I don't know how much the vegetation is going to do. So but that's my two cents. Thank you, Thank you sir. Anybody else here in person that wants to make comment? Okay. <laughs> Is there anybody on the Zoom call that wants to offer comment on this item? I'm not seeing any raised hands. Okay. Um, I will bring it, I'll close public comment then and, and bring it back. Well, before I bring it back to the commission, I want to. Uh, okay, go ahead. One quick comment. If this is approved, that's fine. Uh, it shouldn't be a five-year thing. It should be reviewed it, uh, closer than a five-year, in my opinion. Okay, thank you. Um, before we discuss, I do want to offer uh, Mr. Carter an opportunity to um, respond, if you'd like, to the comments that were raised by the public, and, and you can take um, up to five minutes if you need. Okay. Um, the narrow bridges concern, the road does not narrow at the bridges. I understand that with the object markers on the ends of the bridge railing, it appears to, but it's the same standard 22 foot width across the two structures in question. So that's not necessarily a choke point for traffic. It's a perceived choke point just because of the signage, but it's not an actual choke point. Um, the pavement is old. I don't doubt that. And I understand that the residents there are um, sensitive about that, um, especially the condition of it. 16 years on asphalt is a long time. 20 years is considered pretty much the end of, of usable life on an asphalt road. Um, so I don't doubt that it's getting deteriorated, but it's getting deteriorated just from normal age and wear and tear. Um, I don't think the school is, school's traffic is going to hasten that. It's already headed that way. Okay, thank you, Mr. Carter. With that, then I'll bring it back to the commission. Um, commissioners, who would like to start on this with questions? Commissioner Ashworth, go ahead. Chair Ashworth, Planning Commission. Um, just uh, once again, I was down in that area driving on that road um, just a week or so ago, visiting the property to the north, Mr. Blau's property, in fact. Um, and so when this application came forward, the first thing I was concerned about was the traffic. Having just driven that road, um, I am concerned about the safety and wondering if there's any uh, other comments maybe from the county engineer about that other than um, what was presented in terms of arterials, uh, arterials and collectors and whatnot. Um, I am concerned about um, 30 trips back and forth on that narrow road and the condition that it's in. Um, I'm curious about uh, the route designations uh, that is there any enforcement of the route designations? And this is a question for staff. Um, if a route is recommended or designated for a particular in this case, the school, how is that enforced? And then my 
Third question is a safety question. Are there any safety provisions for the pond on the property, given that this will be a school for young children? So that would be a question for the applicant. Um, Mary Miller, planner. So on the routes, if there is a route, and we have sometimes designated routes for quarries or for landfills or other uses, when we have a designated route, that's a condition of approval. And so there isn't the ability to amend or revise or suspend a conditional use permit that is out of compliance with its conditions. And so occasionally we have like a landfill that some people start coming, they don't know the route, we get notice that they're not following the designated route. Zoning and codes contacts the operator and lets them know that their conditional use permit is in danger. And so they need to work with the whoever their haulers are to make sure that they adhere to the route. When I talked to the township trustee, he said that he didn't think anyone would use the gravel. He said most people, if there's a paved road to use instead of gravel, most people are going to opt for the paved road. So he thought for sure they would all use 900 road and 1500 road as opposed to someone wanting to use the gravel road. But there is a way to ensure that the uh, the routes are adhered to. And uh, we did not receive any comments other than from the township trustee and uh, on the, the roads and the safety features of those during the review. And so I think your other question was for the applicant about the pond. Yes, thank you, Mary. We are aware of that concern as well. Um, I believe on the site plan, I don't have it here with me, but we had shown a fence separating the CEP area from the pond. And that's something that we um, definitely want to include. Thank you. That's all the questions I have now for now. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. Commissioner Shanklin, I think your hand is up. <clears throat> Greg Shanklin, Planning Commissioner. Uh, this is a question for Mary Miller. Um, uh, on your in your staff report under the heading key points, uh, one of them is that the applicant has applied for not profit status, and that leads me to wonder um, what characteristics of the organization, as distinguished from the property owner who is the applicant here, um, are important to us in approving this. Um, it's your your putting this under the um, educational, philanthropic, not-for-profit, institutional category. And so I, I just wonder, what, what are the important characteristics of the organization that warrant it being listed as a key point here? I believe the uh, principal factor <clears throat> that is that it's non-profit. You know, if it was a for-profit business, a for-profit institution or a for-profit school, it would come under a different category. So this category is primarily for nonprofit uses. And, um, and I'm not sure I understand your question for sure. But well, let, let me follow on then and I'll explain. Um, first of all, I, Jeff, this may be a question for you. Um, the definition that we have is expressed in the disjunctive. Um, we, we don't have um, a requirement that it be not, pro, non for, uh, not for profit. 
it's nonprofit, educational, philanthropic, or institutional uses, meaning that there are four different categories here that they could fall under. And that's why I asked the question originally. Um, we, we've heard in the presentation and in the public comments uh, several references to the fact that it's going to be a school. Why is it that a not-for-profit status is important to us here when we should be concerned with whether or not they'll operate as a school and meet all the requirements? Um, that seems to me to be the more important point. Um, just following on to the not-for-profit for a moment, 508C1 is not a category of not-for-profit. And so the, I'm not sure what form they're going to provide to you, and I'm not a tax lawyer, but that is merely an exception that enables a church to declare that they're not subject to the 501c3 reporting requirements. It is not in and of itself a, a form that requires uh, you to state your, your not-for-profit characteristics. So it seems to me that we should be focused less on that 508C1A exception to the rule and more on its characteristic as an educational institution. And the requirements should, should be uh, those that apply to schools, not necessarily those that apply to not-for-profits. That's just my point. Yeah, go ahead. I have a couple of questions for Mr. Carter, if you don't mind. Um, one is, uh, it was brought up a, a question about tornado shelters that I wondered if you would address, if, if there's any um, talk about how to how to solve that. And the other is, um, for your, your client base, for the families that would attend the school, where do you expect them to come from? Will they be you know local to the rural area? Will they be coming from Lawrence or Baldwin? Do you have a, a feel for, for that transportation part? The current structure does not have a designated tornado shelter, um, similar to um, a regular school the shelter would be in the most interior room. From my understanding, talking to the property owner would be from in the most interior room with no windows. Um, if the planning commission or the county were to determine that something more substantial were needed, I'm sure that could be added in the form of concrete masonry or something along those lines. Um, as far as the, um, I guess, client base, um, the expectation is probably a lot of them are going to be coming from the Lawrence area. That is the most populous part of the county, um, potentially some from Baldwin as well, but we would expect most of them would be coming from the Lawrence area. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Carpenter, go ahead. Well, the first thing I, I want to talk about a little bit is this route designation. I mean, the examples, Mary, that you gave were, we gave, you know, we put in specific routes for quarries and other such things. And those are trucks that are generally under the control of the business. What we're talking about here is parents bringing their children to a school. So how does the applicant have control over third parties use of the roads, especially since 1500 road turns into Haskell in Lawrence. And that's the most direct route to get to this school. 
It's just it goes straight south down Haskell. And I have to admit, I've used that road quite a few times going to Baldwin and Vinland and everything else. I mean, that's that is the most direct route. And to me, it doesn't matter if it's paved or gravel out in the county. I just take the the straight route. I don't care what the road is. <laughs> in fact, I like the gravel road more. So anyway, um, I, I guess that's my question is how do you enforce the use of a road by a third party that's not under the control of the business? Um, well, uh, East 1500 Road is paved all the way to the school, even though the last bit of it is in bad condition. So that would be the the route that we would have expected until we heard the comments about the condition of the road. So in the condition, you were suggesting an alternate route or maintenance provisions. So we haven't had time to develop a suggestion for you, you know, to look at what would an alternate route. But if the school does have some control over the parents, they're the same parents day after day, where a landfill or a quarry you're going to get many different customers. You may have no control of your customers. You may see one truck one time and, and not see them again for a year. But with the school, you get the same parents day after day. And so it would be up to the school to find a way to impress upon the parents the, the need to follow the route if there is a route designated. So, so I pose, I, I guess that implies somebody's going to watch which cars drive up and down this road. And if they're the same car, we're going to assume they're going to the school and not going to somewhere else down south. Because like I said, this is this is one of the, the straightest routes to go to. And that would actually be a route we would expect them to take. East 1500 Road today would be the route we would expect them to take. So if they were going to continue to use East 1500, it might be they want to look at some sort of uh, maintenance provisions that they could contribute into, along with other people in the area, if people are interested in having Palmyra maintain it. And so I can't give you any concrete examples. I haven't had time to work with the applicant or with the township to see if there were even any maintenance provisions that would be acceptable. But I agree, East 1500 Road is the most logical and is the most expected route they would follow. I don't think we would be interested in a circuitous route that somehow goes to the east and then winds its way back. You know, if it's too circuitous, I don't think people are going to even remember it. So it has to be a, a fairly direct route. So that's why we're not suggesting just an alternate route. It'd be maybe that or maintenance provisions. Well, I, I'm surprised it wasn't just shared maintenance agreement to start with, because that's what we've seen most often for the use of roads, where we expect <coughs> use. Unless and it might have been want to had, keep trucks out of a residential area, which we've done, you know, specified routes. But had we had more time to, to research it, we might have been able to come up with a uh, maintenance provision. But without something concrete, I can't really say that that would be what the township and the operator would finally agree on. I, I guess that's I guess that's the easiest issue that's on my list of concerns. But but um, you know the one about you know I, the school. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, we sent our kids to a school pretty much like this, which was shared classrooms and everything else when we moved to Florida. 
and it was one of the best things we ever did for for our kids but but i that's not the land use issue here so um oh the rest looks pretty standard i i don't know i'll see if anybody else has anything to say but i i do have how do we know it's going to be a school i guess going to commissioner shank one how do we know it's going to actually be a school um and not some other use who's going to be checking on that does it have to be registered with the state is that part of the conditions and all that um so because you've got in there, you know, we're going to have to make sure they have septic and everything else, but it doesn't really say that we're going to make sure that they're licensed as a school. So is, can that be a condition? Was that a question? That's a question. Okay. That was a question mark at the end of that. <laughs> For anyone in particular? <laughs> I don't know who it's to. <clears throat> Staff, I suppose. <clears throat> You know, looking looking back at Commissioner Shanklin's question, looking at what's defined in the code, you know, nonprofit educational or philanthropic uses, and it goes on to enumerate, you know, a variety of uses which are operated as a non excuse me operated as nonprofit, comma educational, comma philanthropic, comma or institutional uses. The following are examples, and it enumerates congregate living, group homes. Um, and also like open space visitor center for that. Mm -hmm. So the use does kind of lend into that educational component of the definition of the, of the code. Um, and apologies, Commissioner Shanklin, I'm, you're only seeing the, the back of my chair. So <laughs> 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 microphones in a, in a bad spot there for that one. Um, so it does kind of go in that line there. So if it was determined that they were operating a use that was inconsistent with what was approved with the conditional use permit, that would be grounds to bring the conditional use back to the board of county commissioners for potentially revocation or evaluation to see is the use rising to meet the use that is applied for as part of that conditional use permit. So you do, you know, very extreme examples if someone gets a permit for a quarry and it starts operating um, a different use there, that permit would come back for review and secondary look at it, make sure it is compliant with those uses. So would we need to add a specific condition as to what the use is and to provide proof of the licensing requirements to the county and all those types of things in order that it can be enforced? That gives a condition the board can recommend up to the Board of County Commissioners. I don't happen to know the state guidelines of specificity around <clears throat> what licenses are required for a school to open and operate and those kind of things there. But if there is a um, state licensure or something that is required, that can be a condition that it has to be you know, shown before the condition use permit can be satisfied. Well, I would assume 30 is much more than a homeschooling situation. So there'd be different licensing requirements and you probably have to bring in health and environment and Department of Human. I, you know, there's probably a lot of people that have to look at this and, and grant licenses for this number of students. So I, I don't know if we what how we would even word such a condition, but. <clears throat> It, it's possible Commissioner Payton could weigh in on that as she works at a private school, uh, but I do believe that the uh, health department is kind of the authoritative body for that, and it's about what paper, paperwork is collected and keeping all of that on file in the appropriate way to keep children safe. So I think that would be probably the, the licensing body that if we wanted to reference one, we could, but if Commissioner Payton has any additional information that could be helpful. This is Commissioner Payton. 
I, I don't know much about that. I know that for like pre-K, the requirements are different than it is for elementary and middle school, but I don't exactly know what the requirements are. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe the applicant would even know um, <laughs> something like that. Like for instance, I don't know what the, what the limit is or, or how you differentiate homeschool or, or exactly what kind of thing they're going through. And I know there are different licensing um, possibilities. Uh, some, um, trying to word them. Uh, some schools are accredited and some schools are not. I don't know how they're doing that. And if you're accredited through state, it's different than, um, you know, some private schools do that, some private schools do not. Um, or they're accredited through some other something else. So I actually don't really know the answer to, to most of that. I know that there are some differences, but I'm not exactly sure what they are. We'd have to ask our administration. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question sort of building off of this for Mary or maybe Jeff. Um, but Jeff, just as you read sort of the, some of the examples, um, which I understand in the in the the use table where it talks about nonprofit educational or philanthropic uh, institutional uses, they don't, it's not exclusive, but none of those are actually descriptive of what it sounds like they are talking about doing, which is actually like having, you know, children there teaching. And there's a whole different use that's colleges and schools, which actually expressly references, you know, the teaching of students. And so why, um, why is that use not, the colleges and schools use, not one um, that was considered or I guess proposed for this UP. Actually, I probably could answer that. Um, in the zoning regulations, there's a provision that when there's a use determination to be made, the zoning director makes that use determination. So we had the pre-application meeting and um, the zoning director determined that this would be considered, could be considered a nonprofit educational center. And uh, they looked into perhaps processing it as a home occupation, but then they were concerned that it had more traffic than they would feel comfortable with as a home occupation. So the actual decision as to which use to process it under was made, but it was based primarily on the character of the use and the nonprofit status. So Mary, is that something that the planning commission can change that designation or does it come since it's gone through the uh, process that you described does it have to stay with that title yeah i don't know if it's the you know it's a zoning director's determination i don't know jeff might weigh in if it's possible for you to appeal the determination or if you'd rather look at the the other factors but if the issue is that you think we're erring on how we're defining the use I suppose you could pass that ahead to the county commission. I don't think we would go back and, you know, have the use reclassified, but maybe the county commission would take that into account. And perhaps they would agree that maybe the use classification is, is wrong. If that's, and Jeff, that may be where I need some help. Jeff, is that the process that they would take? I think if, if I'm following commissioner's question correctly, the question is, do do we stop me when I, I run off the track here? Okay. <laughs> is 
is the use that the conditional use permit is applied for, is it applicable to the land use being requested? Correct. If the if the commission has a question along that line, I would probably recommend a deferral at that point because it would be something that you may not be able to answer in that instance because the advertisement and the item brought to you this evening was for this use at this specific question. So if there's a question about the differential of the use, that would need a probably further evaluation by the zoning director to go through and see does it or does it not rise to meet that requirement. I'm not sure you would have the ability to change the use in the middle of the review for the conditional use permit since it was not advertised in that regard for the public and others to consider. Jim, follow up on that? No, I just think my expert opinion that um, if it quacks and it's yellow, <laughs> <laughs> we suppose we would call it what it is. And so that's my kind of question. I think there have been some valid points made by different commissioners with the um category that it's that it's classified under right now but if there's something else that would cover it that limits it that's exactly what it is then i don't know why it was the the thinking of classifying it as something else that's my question so i don't know i say if the board has question about the use determination that was rendered for it then it probably the outcome will be with to you know not necessarily advance it or or look at it. It would be in your condition to either recommend approval, recommend approval with conditions, recommend denial, or defer it for further study and action in that instance. So if the planning commission would like to see it and weigh it again with that with a different lens or a secondary evaluation on it, I'd recommend deferral so the body would be able to see it one more time. Otherwise, a motion to Approve, approve with conditions or deny would be a recommendation that would forward to the Board of County Commissioners for consideration. I think that the other question that I have is is the road conditions. And um, I think if I say your name wrong, I apologize. Ms. Gunn was referencing the, the status of the road. And I agree with Commissioner Carpenter that if I know the shortest, quickest route to get somewhere, that is what I'm going, regardless of whether someone suggests to me that I should go a different route. Um, so I think that's important to consider and um, chipping in $500 is not cheap. I can't imagine what it would cost today. So I think that is important because um, when you do go down some of those roads, you might be stuck there if your axle breaks or <laughs> something because of the condition of the road. So I think that is important, especially for people that reside out there. So I've had that happen. <laughs> I oh, think that's a valid school that was in Florida. <laughs> a valid question by um, some of the residents. So uh, Chad Voigt raised his hand. Would you be able oh. to uh, weigh in on this, Chad? Yeah, I'd like to help out if I can on that. Um, you know, this is a township road, so it's not in our uh, jurisdiction, but I know that um it's a Pelmyra township road that looks kind of like a Wakarusa township road it's it's not far down the road from Wakarusa township and Wakarusa township is an example where they continue to maintain that roadway um originally the process was to take a rock road and chip seal it so this is not asphalt and when they paid $500 that's a cheap paved road um you know I think 
the, the township, Palmyra, from their perspective, they can't maintain this kind of road. And if you're familiar with what happened in Grant Township with their chip sealed roads, um, they completely have fallen apart and they've converted a lot of that back to rock at a very high expense. So um, whether or not this stays paved is a question, whether or not it can be, um, you know, stay paved and be maintained at, at the township's expense, that, that's a question for the township. I suspect their answer may be no, that their intent would be to take this back to a rock road. Um, so, and, and back to the route discussion, the, the 1500 road is is the assumed route. And I think the, the problem or the question was, well, we've got these other rock road alternative routes. Should we make sure people don't use those? And when Mary was talking about a route uh, condition, it would be to stay off the rock roads and stay on 1500 road. That's the way I understood it. And so when you send additional traffic down the chip seal road and uh, it continues to deteriorate, the township's probably going to lose that road and they're not necessarily going to keep it paved. Um, so the residents may be faced with approaching the township with a petition to surface the road again. It would not be $500. Um, things have gotten more expensive and, you know, chip seal is a band-aid approach to paving. So, um, we recommend always don't chip seal rock roads because it, it lasts for a while and then you lose it. So that's, that's a long-term concern, not only for this use, but for that entire mile of roadway and all the residents on there, it's possible that, a you know, some sort of a petition and benefit district would work there because there are so many residences that use that road. There's a subdivision to the south that's asphalt that probably uses this road to get there. So you could form a benefit district and have an improved road, but that, that would be an undertaking. And that would be on the order of millions of dollars to pave roads on that kind of length. And it would involve contributions from many, many landowners that are are pretty sizable. Um, they would be assessed on their property taxes. It's not something somebody can choose to not be part of. So it's a it's a big undertaking. So the concern about the, the road, I think we all need to imagine in our minds that this might be a rock road. Thank you, Chad. Yeah, yeah Commissioner. Commissioner Thomas, has there ever been a traffic count on that road? I can look real quickly to see if I can get an answer for you. And while you're looking, I, I came in on 800 road to to get to 1500 today and the only thing i see in our packet that says what this facility might be if anybody else wanted to look is on page 5 of 14 or 65 Learn will employ three time three full time instructors, 20 30 kids, two to four classrooms, majority of the instruction when it takes place. And the last sentence is all that I see that tries to describe what this facility is. 
Activities will include in-class and outdoor learning activities intended to supplement homeschooling with core curriculum studies as well as nature and play-based learning activities. I'm not sure what that spells out, that we are saying 30 kids, three teachers, 66 trips a day. What is it that is going to go on there? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, and I'm terrible with names, but the gentleman that came and spoke for the school. Mr. Traubach. <coughs> Mr. Traubach. Traubach. Are you still there? I think he left. Oh. Are you talking about the guy that was on, Mr. Carter, that was on? The applicant? Yeah. The applicant? Oh, yeah, Mr. Carter. Aaron Carter. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that was Karen Willie that gave me that name. <laughs> Since this is her last day, I'll just throw her under the bus. So, Mr. Carter. Well, um, the representative of the applicant anyway. Um it's uh, intended to be an education center, and as we noted, it is a supplement to homeschooling. There will be um, core curriculum taught. Um, there's obviously a lot of time there, Monday through Thursday, covering core curriculum. Um, core curriculum mean, oh, sorry, core curriculum meaning? Your standard curriculum items that you would have in a um, regular school or that homeschool parents would be covering at home, such as math, science, reading, et cetera. There will also be enrichment activities, enrichment educational activities on intended on Fridays where people that aren't having their children attend Monday through Thursday can still attend and get some additional educational opportunities for their homeschool kids on Fridays. That's where it's kind of a mix. It's not a standard school per se. It's meant to provide um, different levels of educational um, needs depending on what the parents want for their kids and what they need for their kids. Some people are going to be providing a lot at home and they won't need very much, may not need anything besides enrichment Fridays. Um, some will want quite a bit of help. will want the full Monday through Thursday plus a Friday or Monday through Thursday and no Friday. We're um, not following a standard model. And I guess that's kind of where it gets a little bit confusing. Trying to offer something that's a little bit different than the standard model. Yeah, I I personally don't have any difficulties with what the school model is. I think that kind of falls outside of our, our land use purview. Um, I, I think the point of whether or not it has to be nonprofit for the category that was chosen, I think, is, is an issue there because I'm not sure that that matters as much to to what would actually go on there um, in terms of the use itself and the use uh, of the school in the neighborhood. I don't have any great concerns there. It really comes down to the traffic and the roads. Um, I know, Chad, you were looking up traffic counts, uh, but also these two stretches of road here, the uh, East 1500 and the East uh, 1487, are those the only two chip and seal portions in Palmyra Township? Because I know Wakarusa Township, all the roads are chip and seal, but the other townships typically don't have that because they can't maintain them. Are those about the only ones they have? Um, it looks to me like that might be true. You really got to you got to pan around and, and pay attention to line types on these maps to, to know that. 
because we what we do in the GIS is just call it hard surfaced. So that would include asphalt in that neighborhood. And um, I don't have, by the way, any traffic count data for that. If I had to guess, I'd say it's somewhere around 200 vehicles a day, but that's just a guess based on the, the amount of wear on the pavement over the life and what kind of areas it serves. I think the piece we're really missing is to hear specifically from Palmyra Township with the kind of traffic counts we're looking at adding and the, the, the future of that road and the, the concerns for the, the neighbors of the condition that is already there and what will be the future of it. I think that's the piece we're really missing. And I, I'm not sure if we forward this with that main concern needing to be answered or if that's something that needs to be happened, that needs to, a discussion that has to happen first. Mr. Carter, I have a follow-up question just as what the type of the school model is. Uh, are, do you anticipate that children would be just dropped off in the morning and picked up in the afternoon? Or if this is to supplement, do you have children coming at different times and leaving at different times each day? So um, the pre-K in particular is going to be a separate leave time, so it would be earlier in the day. Um, so anyone enrolled in the pre-K program, the Monday through Thursday, would be dropped off around the same time, but the pickup would be different. Um, and then I guess to answer the rest of your question there for K through 6, um, if they're enrolled in the full Monday through Thursday, it would be the same drop-off and pickup times for everyone enrolled in that part of the program. But you could also have other children that are enrolled for different time periods. So we're not having all the traffic at one time in the morning and one time in the afternoon. We could have traffic throughout the day. Is Worst case, if everyone signs up for the same thing, then it would be all stacked, but more than likely there will be some variability to that. All right. So our traffic counting is a little bit different because of what your school model is. <clears throat> This is Commissioner Payden. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I have a follow-up question to that. Will all your students, or do you see that all your students will be coming in like um, family automobiles? Would, are, is there any other transportation you see being provided or is it is it all by um, you know, single family car? <clears throat> The intent would be single family car. We're not looking to provide any um, sort of mass transportation like a bus or anything like that. Commissioner Shakeman. I, I just want to add to something Karen just said. I, I agree that it does, you know, it, with respect to your view that it boils down to input from Palmyra, um, I would just want to layer on to the fact that if we are considering this for its not for profit status, simply getting the 508C1A statement that it is a church is not telling us that it's not for profit. So that is not good evidence of that status. Um, it would be better to have their 501C3 documentation, but I suspect, and, and maybe Mr. Carter can tell us about this, that they're not applying. You are correct. We're not intending to apply for a 501C3. As a faith-based organization, it falls underneath that exception that you mentioned earlier, the 508C1A. 
So that is correct. So Chair, can we regroup? What what information are we missing? Right. Because Commissioner Butler's pointed out some, Commissioner Shankon, Commissioner Willie. I think I have a little bit. So we're, we've got we're missing some information. So can we just kind of recap what we're missing? Yeah, it would be nice to recap it and then maybe even think about what. I mean, we have factors that we are to be taking into account, and like I'm trying to figure out if these just boil down into like one or two factors, and, and is that that may play in a little bit to what we want to do if 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 we need to defer or you know, deny on that basis if we think those are like outweigh everything else or um, send it up uh, with a recommendation for approval, but with, you know, extra conditions. So, I mean, uh, so we have the road issue, the maintenance and, and the traffic. Uh, I'm still struggling, I guess, with um, how, what where in the analysis um, the the nature of the uh the nature of the organization where that fits into the analysis um i too am a little uh i guess i'm a little i'm struggling with that i don't know um I, I, let me if, if it's okay i, I want to ask a question just because it's where i am but I, so this might be for jeff or mary but presumably because this uh this use this nonprofit film uh you know, in, in, institutional philanthropic. I'm missing the words because I don't have it up in front of me here. There are other, I, I assume there are other uh, um, CUPs out there or uses that are under this that are having to supply evidence of their nonprofit status. Um, and if that's the case, is it normally done with this sort of a form? And who makes, who reviews that and confirms compliance? with that requirement these are operating as nonprofits. we do have some others and perhaps when they first got their conditional use permits they provided documentation you know for instance um community living opportunities um, they operate as a uh, as this use you know they're they have group homes where they're helping mentally um challenged people and that's how the CUP they operated under so they gave us a nonprofit designation I assume when they first got their CUP um, in the standards in the condition is asked for documentation of nonprofit status so if the documentation they give us doesn't show that they are a nonprofit we would ask for something else they've informed us that's the form they intend to give us so once we get it we can review it but until that condition is met that we've got documentation that they are a nonprofit then regardless of what form they do provide, we may need another form. So we're not asking specifically for that form. It's just, that's what we've been told they are going to provide us. But in order to meet that condition, we need to have documentation that they are a nonprofit. So uh, once they provide that, that would meet that condition. And so assuming they provide that form, it's sort of, uh, you know, that is met, regardless of whether or not it actually, um, stands for what it is supposed to stand for, right? I mean, Commissioner Shanklin, you're sort of speaking. Well, I, I, all they are going to say on that form is that we are a faith-based organization, mm -hmm. period. End of story. Nothing about profitability. And that entitles them under 508C1A to be exempt from the 501C3 qualifications. So yeah. 
we have to question is is that evidence of not-for-profit status or is it just evidence that they are a church mm -hmm. may i ask uh commissioner shanklin a question yeah <laughs> so so is the issue that it doesn't fit this i mean i i don't have an issue whether it's for profit or not for profit it's just whether or not it fits this category that was given to us is that correct I, that's okay. right i i feel like this is a little bit of misdirection or red herring it's i i think that we should be looking at this as a school uh, that's what everybody's called it all the way through our discussion. Mm -hmm. And so does it have standards that it needs to meet as a school? That's the land use that, that they're telling us they're going to put the land to. So what are the standards to do that? Mm -hmm. um, and have we, I mean, we could say, well, all it says is that it has to be educational. It doesn't say they have to meet state standards or federal standards or anything else. I have a follow-up question for, for Mr. Carter, if you don't mind. Um, and that is, if if we're looking at it, possibly a deferral to get some questions answered so that we can give this kind of the full and best consideration, um, we always try, try to work towards a yes if we can, but if there are significant obstacles um, that we have to, you know, deny upon, we, we'd rather get those answers first and then know for sure what we're doing does if we were to to uh, defer this item to get those three questions answered um whether or not we're in the right category based on whether it has to be nonprofit or not um if there are some health department uh, regulations or certifications that need to be included in our um in our conditions and to talk with the Palmyra Township about the future of the roads and the traffic counts there. If we were to defer for those items, would it uh, would it be a, a real hindrance to that school? I mean, this this is our best way to, to get to a yes is if we have the answer to these questions and we can't guarantee that that would be a yes because there are some significant issues mostly with the roads to consider, but can you answer just how that would how that would resonate? From a timeline standpoint, um, it would make it unlikely that this education center would be able to open um, in time for typical enrollment of, of a school in August. I would I would see us being unlikely to reach the finish line in time. Thank you. Mary, could you talk about the timeline? If this were deferred now, how long we would be talking about it coming back? That's a good question because our items, we need to have them ready for the June meeting pretty shortly. And I think Jeff or Becky might be able to give a better idea of that. It's more likely it would come back in the July meeting, but um, is that Jeff or Becky, is that what you see it as? I mean, it seems like pretty simple issues. I, I did ask the Palmyra Township trustee if he could come to tonight's meeting, but he's out of town. So perhaps we could invite him to the next meeting and invite the zoning director. Perhaps she could explain the use classification I think at the moment we'd be probably looking at, at it to get answers to the questions and give people time to do the research on those things. It'd probably be the July meeting would be, be the most available next meeting. Truthfully. And then to the county commission, by what time? Uh, depending upon calendars, it would probably be landing there um, middle to late August would be my best hunch at the moment. It may, it may be early August, but it would probably be somewhere in, in August on that middle's part. Um, mm. Given that, Mr. Chair, I'd be very glad to see us 
forward it in some way or another and get those questions answered before the county commission, kind of knowing that they'll watch this meeting and, and hear that discussion. Um, that answers everything except possibly being in the wrong category. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that would be my my thought. I think it's a good suggestion. I think I think there are times when it's good to uh, defer to get information that we can uh, be better equipped to make a, a more informed decision on. But this is one of those times where you also don't want to um, prejudice the applicant just to get more information. If it could be something that we could give the uh, county commission adequate commentary on, and they could make a determination on. But. Um, uh, Commissioner Carpenter, go ahead. Question, Jeff or Becky. Um, if it is forwarded with this particular land use category, how would you notice it for the county commission if the actual land use category is one of our questions or incorrect category? <laughs> And is that even possible, or are we just setting up something that's going to have to bounce back anyway and take you in the So typically, it would advance with the legal that was provided to you, so that use determination would, would advance with what it was tonight on the agenda and, and go forward because you can't, we wouldn't be able to change it midstream on that point. So if it was kind of back to what we were talking earlier, if there is a question about the use and the, the commission would ask for a re-review and a re-evaluation of that use determination, then it could be, you would be sending it up with that potential that it would not make it through on that as an aspect to it. But, you know, given given the code and the parameters of it, I'm not, at the moment, I have been able to comment on what a, a re-review of the use may entail at this stage, but, the application before you this evening is a conditional use permit for the nonprofit um, mm -hmm. educational. So, I'm thinking I'm missing word in their use. I guess then my question is if we set it up with this use category, with our questioning whether this is the correct one, and the county commission agrees that maybe this isn't the correct one, they're going to have to refer it back to the planning commission, correct? Correct. Which is going to cause even more time. Mm -hmm. Correct. Well, you just make things complicated. I'm not. I'm just. <laughs> um, it's a curse, I think. <laughs> may I ask Jeff a yeah. follow-up question with that? Um, so a, a, a religious use is, even though it is not by legal standards a 501c3, it does not fall under that particular nonprofit status, but it is kind of colloquially thought of as a nonprofit, as a category of nonprofit, even though it uh, whether or not the school makes a profit or is intending to make a profit doesn't really affect me as far as the land use uh, it, aspect of it. Um, I, I don't know that it is a ruled out as a fit for this category. It is just an awkward fit for this category when what we want to be talking about is as a school. So I, it just depends on, Jeff, if you think that this is likely to move forward with the category we have or if we are more likely to cause troubles by forwarding it with this. The definition for this use, and I had to look at it a few times while we've been discussing, it doesn't actually specify how to define a nonprofit. It doesn't, it doesn't cite a specific section of the IRS code or go through those parameters of that one. 
and by, by no means am I qualified to answer those technical questions of the IRS code, we would lean on county council to look at that and say, does it or does it not rise to the level of meeting that nonprofit at that point in time? That would be, I mean, that would be the typical process we would have to go through. And I, like I said, I don't know the ins and the outs of that code. And that's where we'd have to lean back and do it. So, you know, when a list, when a use is unlisted or is, um, better like a foot in each category at that point in time it isn't an administrative call to kind of give it a use classification for that that is the most consistent with it it may not be 60 percent consistent maybe 51 49 consistent with it but at least you know put it in the best category for it to advance forward i think that's what you see tonight is the one that was the most fitting for what was described to staff to go through with that parameters and the exercise so what kind of to Commissioner Butler to your point there, you know, if it looks like it and it, it quacks like it and that kind of call it what it is kind of situation there. But if there's other uses and categories, when they went through the analysis of the definitions, this may have been one where it was straddling a line and leaning just a little bit more in this direction at that point. And Jeff, I understand what you're saying, but my legal mind cannot get past the title nor the CUP when it gives the definition of nonprofit educational or philanthropic institutional use. I just can't get past that verbiage to, oh, well, we'll just call it that because it might fit, but it really should go here. So I, my preference is to defer it because I, I, it troubles me that we would pass it just because I mean, that just troubles me. So that's my vote you have there. So, and, and I'm going to have to agree with Commissioner Butler. We didn't choose when this application came to us <laughs> and trying to push it through because of the applicants' you know, considerations just seems a little bit off um, to me that we're supposed to consider this, give it our full consideration as a land use issue. And we're trying to do that. And we're talking about issues that we may need to defer it for. And even though we, I, I, I see it's going to have implications to the applicant about when they can open their school, but I, we didn't cause that. That's, this is just where we are and we we need to do our job so i think i'm more for a deferral myself and i think you raised a good point commissioner carpenter that we might be trying to push it up to get it resolved before enrollment in the school year when it, it will just come back to us and further it could just come back to us and further delay the process but commissioner carter go ahead well, thanks i um i promise this is not sidetracked i'm moving in in a direction of a resolution i have a question for um for chad voigt um and this is about uh, this calling back to i think mary's reference to the palmyra township official who did have concerns about um this volume of daily traffic on a rock road on 1500 road which is about two mile stretch i'm wondering on 800 road um it's about a mile and a half stretch what are the major concerns or are there major concerns about you know volume of sixty six trips a day, um, on on a gravel road? Well, um, 
we generally look at 200 vehicles per day as the most that a gravel road can take without generating just you know repeated maintenance that's sort of self-defeating and so um 66 would be a huge add for a rock road and there are already on that mile and a half you know you got a half dozen landowners already using that um so that would be concern i think to put put all that on that rock road okay great thank you um so i have just a couple of thoughts i mean i, I haven't said much uh, all evening mostly been listening and processing i'm i personally think um i know we didn't we didn't um ask for this timing um but under the circumstances i would probably rather see some kind of resolution one way or the other um in out of fairness to the applicant um i uh, piggybacking on Commissioner Willie's comment, I, I don't really see the nonprofit status as a, as a land use concern specifically. I would, I believe, if we go ahead and pass this on to the Board of County Commissioners, uh, we should make it as as part of our recommendation that in in the interim, the that the um, the recommended uh, zoning be, or excuse me, recommended use be reviewed. Um, because, um, as, as you said, Commissioner Carpenter, it may come back to us, but if it doesn't come back to us, at least if the board of County commissioners approves it, then the applicant has a chance to go ahead and start in the, in the, in the fall. If, um, we defer it, it's almost a guarantee that they won't. Um, that said, I expect to vote against this, and it has nothing to do with the use, but rather it, I just don't see a resolution on the traffic volume e from either direction, from the north or the, or the east. Um, it sounds like according to the Palmyra Township official, 1500 Road is bound to return to rock surface at some point in the future. Um, and, and so it just doesn't seem like an appropriate volume of traffic that this um, that this application would be provoking uh, one way or the other. So um, I'm inclined to recommend um, um, uh, rejecting the application, um, but I would recommend that we take some action tonight rather than just defer it. Thank you, Commissioner Carter. Uh, one thing I wanted to maybe bring up, I was looking this up while we were talking and I, I brought up the colleges and schools use category, and I don't know if that's the only other option. Um, <clears throat> but in looking at the um, permitted use table, colleges and schools is not permitted under AG1, which I think this land is. And uh, nonprofit educational philanthropic institutional uses is with the CUP. So that, I, I don't know, there may not be another. I mean, I, I want, this is sort of like, you know, uh, speculating, but maybe that's part of the uh, issue that went in the zoning director's mind is that you can't do it under the colleges and schools um, use an AG1. So maybe they use the other one, if I'm reading it correctly. And I raised that just because I'm not sure that we'll get much of a different answer in response to that particular issue, if that's the case. It may not make a difference. I mean, this might be the only option. And we'd be searching for maybe more. I don't know if the best way to resolve that is by inserting additional conditions. Like, you know, this is going to be operated as a school supplement to homeschooling. I don't even know the right language, but uh, 
I raise that because I don't know if it's going to be futile how, or part of it may be a futile exercise to, to defer over, but. I guess I would want to know there's some other there's one other school that I know out in the county that has it's like a Montessori school so I would be, would be interested in knowing what their zoning is it's Prairie Moon school that's exactly what I was thinking Waldorf school mm -hmm. Prairie Moon excuse me this is Commissioner Payton Prairie Moon school was originally a so that might be what it's based on was originally a public school mm -hmm. So I assume it's that's zoning. Uh, I think maybe Jeff might be trying to confirm that, but Commissioner Ashworth, <laughs> while he's doing that, Commissioner Ashworth, was your hand raised? Uh, yes, this is Chair Ashworth, Commissioner. Uh, just if you're if, in the interest of taking the temperature of um, the commission, um, I'm I'm kind of with uh, Commissioner Carter here, where my primary concern uh, with the road conditions in that area. Um, regardless of whether it's a nonprofit educational entity of some kind or a school, uh, I would be inclined to deny this proposal based on the, the road conditions and the difficulty of that much traffic being added to those roads. Thanks, Commissioner Ashworth. Any results yet, Jeff? <laughs> Uh, excuse me, Commissioner. I did find that it has a conditional use permit that was granted in 2005 for the Prairie Moon School. So I didn't pull up the actual permit itself. It yeah. looks it looks like when that was approved, it was, yeah, Mary's right. It was a conditional use permit from 2005. And it looks like it had um, a list of conditions that included some, some things that related to it. But it... Um, and I don't know the the old code's definitions well enough, but it may have been put under daycare preschool, which was a use under the old code at that point in time. So I'm not sure if it has a direct match in the new code necessarily. Mr. Chair. Yeah, Mr. Chair, go ahead. Um, I guess my biggest concern really is, is the traffic volume. Um, I would rather hear from... Uh, Palmyra Township, if they have some thoughts on how to resolve that, but it is it is a, a significant increase. It's more than you know any other rural use that we have looked at. I mean, the school just makes for a lot of um, trips in and out. So that that is my only concern, really. The the nonprofit thing I think can be resolved. Um, the health department, I think that they were probably going to follow those rules anyway, and we can put it in the conditions. But but I I just wonder if that is something that would be be resolvable at all. I'm just a little uh, shy to say that it isn't until we've heard specifically from the Palmyra Township that would be responsible for that. Yeah, so, so now it's time for another process question. <clears throat> and this is, you know, Commissioner Willie's favorite question. If we vote no, <laughs> and they come back, if they come up with a shared maintenance agreement for the road or address the traffic conditions in some other way than just alternative routes, because that's one of our issues. It sounds like other ones may be easier to resolve, but it sounds like we've got probably a majority of the commissioners that are stuck on traffic. Mm -hmm. And is there a way to resolve that? If we say no, what has to happen next for them to come back? 
as opposed to if we defer it to see if Palmyra Township is willing to work some deal. If you vote to de deny the item, it would advance beyond the Planning Commission to the Board of County Commissioners for their vote and consideration. And there is instances where they might be able, and I'd have to look through the details of where it could be remanded back to you for consideration, but it would be, out of, it would advance out of your, your consideration most definitely. Is it within the realm of possibility that we <clears throat> vote no and we specify that our issue is the traffic? Is it within the purview of the county commission with three voting in the affirmative to um, approve the conditional use permit with something that comes from Palmy Palmyra Township about road maintenance? <laughs> Without, a, without it coming back to us for any review. I believe the county commission could vote just with a majority to approve it. They can vote contrary to the planning commission with a simple majority. Okay. <clears throat> okay, I stated that wrong. So we just they just have to have two votes if we have a no vote. Is that correct? Yes. To pass it, it's if there's a protest petition that changes to three. So I guess, Jeff, the real question is, can they add that different condition that we'd not considered but said we need would like an answer to? Yes, the, the Board of County Commissioners can add a condition upon an item, just like, like they can do with any other item related to it. So if we say no, it's going to go to them and they can resolve it there without coming back to us? Correct. If they wanted to alter the conditions or add one or subtract one, it would be within their ability to do so. Okay. Commissioner Carter, I see your hand up. Thanks. Um, I guess piggybacking on Commissioner Carpenter's question, um, I'm trying to understand whether in the interim between whatever our determination is and this coming before the Board of County Commissioners, whether it is reasonable to expect that Pal Palmyra County officials would be called on to weigh in on, uh, on the traffic situation. Or whether our report just goes straight verbatim. No, I think they would they would have to work with Palmyra Township trustee because it would be his his determination, you know, and so whether he would allow it or have issues. Uh, the way he spoke to me, he had serious concerns with allowing it. So, you know, we didn't have time to discuss any alternatives or any measures, but he would definitely be the person to make that that statement. Okay, thank you. So, so that information that feedback could would be made available to the Board of County Commissioners prior to the meeting as part of their packet. Yes, and if possible, you know, I'd, I'd ask him to attend the meeting, although sometimes that's not possible. They have other commitments, but that would be the perfect. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Commissioner Carpenter. So <clears throat> getting back to Commissioner Carter and Commissioner Ashworth wanting to make a decision. I mean, it's starting to look like if we have a no vote and raise the issue about with Palmyra Township, send it on to the county commission. If they need to defer it, they actually have a shorter deferral time than we do. Is that correct? 
I believe so. Yes, but I'm not a. I would not be an expert on their calendars and timing. Well, but yeah, still, yours is pretty long. X number of days, and they meet weekly as opposed to us meeting monthly. So it would be logical that it could be a shorter turnaround time. Yes, in, in just in looking at calendars like that. Yes, where you meet once a month, they meet at least once a week, so they'd have a bit of speed that you may not. Okay. Oh, thank you. Sorry. It's so nice to have you. <laughs> uh, uh, Sinclair, if you haven't seen, uh, Commissioner Rex Road has. Yeah, sorry. We, I, this was being pointed out to me by more than one person. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Commissioner Rex Road. <laughs> thank you. Um, so maybe, maybe we're, we're all saying things, but from a different perspective, just from the other side of it, is, is, there, is there no path? It's, it's, I say it differently. I think I hear that the larger concern across um, this body of commissioners is uh, uh, solving for the roads. Um, there are questions about whether this is a religious institution or educational institution, but the larger issue is around roads. Is there is there really no path for us to forward this with approval on the condition that the road issues are resolved? Is there just no path for us to do that? I guess. Commissioner Rexford, when you say road issues resolved, what do you mean? Like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> so that's a great question. I think that's probably the key question. Um, what is the definition of an adequate road solution? I mean, that's something that the applicant can do anything about at all. Um, are we really in a position where we're going to say no to um, uh, this applicant's uh, efforts and plans? Um, because we haven't been able to provide uh, an infrastructure for them to operate on. Um, so, so Julia, uh, Commissioner Butler, I, I think that's probably the million dollar question, maybe even literally, um, is what is an adequate answer for this road? And can we in some way approve this on the condition that that question be resolved I don't know if it's to the satisfaction of the neighbors, to the satisfaction of the township, or who that might fall on. I guess that, is that for Mary or Jeff, I assume? I, yeah, I, I'm not sure, Commissioner Butler, um, who answers that question, but what, what maybe I would ask that of, of Mary and Jeff. Is there a path where we can send this forward with an approval, should people want to do that? Um, with a condition that the road issues are resolved. Yeah, you know, um, I recall one conditional use permit that had something very similar. And so we passed, the planning commission forwarded it on, but the condition was that before it goes to the county commission, the issue had to be resolved. So the applicant had to work with the township, maybe talk with the county engineer and find out if there are any options, but they had to have a solution before it went to the county commission so they weren't having the same discussion. So that kind of set the time frame. The applicant worked with the township, and in this case, it was much simpler. They just had to pay a fee for the number of vehicles they had or something like that. But I don't know what this solution would be, but that would be one way to do it is if you want to forward it, but to say that it that would have to be resolved before it goes to the county commission. So in that particular case, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that we would do it, but but if the, the majority wanted to, we could forward this with approval on the condition that the applicant work with um, uh, 
you with the townships to come up with a solution. And then the county commission would be given that question. Instead of trying to solve it here through deferral or through other work, the county commission would be given that as a question. Does this meet what they require to approve it? If yes, great, you go ahead. If not, then they send it back. But at least there's a path for the applicant to get through to an approval. Yeah, so at least it's going when, when they've met, they've discussed with the township, and then they have the township information. So it has more information when it goes to the county commission, so they're not getting the same discussion we're in. And so I think it'd be easier for them to make a decision, you know, if it was required for them to do the groundwork first and provide whatever they work out with the township to the county commission. And if they're not able to work anything out, that's what they would provide. And Jeff might uh, have a better solution than that, but that seems like kind of a route. I would agree with Mary. That is, I think, a possible route that the Planning Commission may consider in that instance, if that's the board's discretion. Chad, go ahead. I appreciate the effort on, on trying to go that way. I just I'm concerned that it's not very realistic because I think in other cases, you know, providing dust control is something that an applicant can do on a gravel road, and conditions have been often written to do that. I don't think there's a middle ground here. You can't pay a fee and have this road survive. And that's the problem. And, and that's probably why that a maintenance agreement wasn't previously kind of covered on this item is, is it's really, there's not that middle ground here with chip seal road. It's, it's going to last a while longer and then it's going to be gone. And then what? And so um, I'm concerned that forwarding it on won't resolve that question. And, and, you know, the idea that we haven't provided infrastructure to support the use. I mean, I think in the rural areas, we really often look at it the other way that uh, we provide a basic service in areas that historically have been agricultural. And if somebody wants to propose something different, then the question for everybody is, does the infrastructure support that? And so when you've got gravel roads and township roads, that may not be the case. And that may be kind of the deciding factor. Thanks, Chad. So are we talking about 1500 road? Are we talking about 800 road? Like, are we talking about them all? All of it. All of them. So, so to me, we're basically, we vote yes or no to what we have and then send it on and the county commission will decide what to do next. So, I mean, especially with what Chad just said, I mean, we, we've got no negotiation no negotiation room on the road. Either we agree that the roads, that this meets the conditions with the road the way it is and will be, or it doesn't. So that's kind of where we are now. Is yeah, if I may, I was just going to say, thank you. I was just going to say, I was going to say something similar that uh, um, our responsibility here is to take the information compiled by staff to give fair consideration to to the applicant and to pass on our recommendation to our, the elected officials who are the actual decision makers here. Um, and yeah, getting back to what I said a little while ago, my, you know, based on this input, my fair consideration is that the infrastructure doesn't sustain this use, not that, that it's anyone's responsibility to provide infrastructure to support the use. Thanks, Commissioner Carter. Uh, and I guess I would just briefly respond. I, I think I appreciate Commissioner Rexroad for trying to 
see if there was an alternative path that would involve uh, recommending approval with the condition that these things be worked out. But I mean, I think uh, sounded like the examples that Mary gave, or at least the example was a pretty technical thing that could be resolved just by payment. This is a this is a bigger undertaking, so it's hard for me to imagine crafting or us coming up with a condition that would be um, satisfactory and that could actually be accomplished. Um, so I, I'm sort of now going back to maybe thinking it's just having to um, vote to uh, approve or deny it sort of as is. Chair? Yeah. Um, I agree with Commissioner Carter, and I plan to vote to deny it. Um, if there is a potential resolution for the traffic issue that can be come up with before the county commission, I'm glad for them to reverse that. But I think that that is the evidence we have before us is that it, it, it cannot support the traffic for the use that is suggested. Thanks, Commissioner Willie. Any other commissioners wanted to? Is, are you raising your hand, Commissioner Butler? To make a motion. Oh. Well, are there any other comments or questions before we get a motion? <laughs> Since last time there was. Uh, none? Okay. I mean, sure, go for it. Okay. I move that we deny the conditional use permit for a non-for-profit educational or philanthropic institutional use and forward it to the, forward the conditional use or denial of the use, conditional use permit to the Board of County Commissioners uh, with a recommendation for denial based on the uh, discussion that we've had here and the list of factors and conditions in the staff report. Okay, so motion to deny the CUP and forward on um, with that recommendation. Uh, Commissioner Carter, is that a second? Yes, it is. Thank you, sir. Um, okay, any other comments before we vote? Just, just one. Uh, this one should be required viewing for new planning commissioners just to show how convoluted we can get <laughs> and to talk about all kinds of levels of process to get back to a yes or no vote. Because um, we did, went through lots and lots of different issues here. So I think this is a good instructional one. Um, so with that. That's it. And you wonder why serve. <laughs> and then they'll say, yes, well, what did I get into? That's right. <laughs> okay. Any anybody else want to say anything before we vote? Just that I'm kind of sad about it. I, I think we the infrastructure can't support it, but I'm 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 sorry to not be able to su support that for the use itself. I didn't have any issues with the use. Thank you. And thank you. I, uh, Commissioner Willie, I I I Again, piggyback on that. This isn't uh, about the use. It's about the infrastructure. Okay. Um, then with that, um, Jeff, can you go ahead and read the roll? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes 10 to 0. Thank you to uh, representatives of the applicant and the members of the public that hung around for that one. Um, yeah. 
Let me find my place here. So we are to number five on our agenda. I'm going to, it's 9.30 though, so we've been going for about three hours. I'm going to suggest we take uh, maybe a five-minute break uh, and, and reconvene uh, 9.37 or so. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Speak for. Okay. Thank you, everyone. I'm sorry for the delay on that a little longer than five minute break. Um, but we left off with um, item number five, which is to consider approving a text amendment, TA 22002082, to revise Article 12312 of the Zoning and Land Use Regulations for Unincorporated Territory. <laughs> Douglas County, Kansas, floodplain management regulations, and other articles as needed to reflect the changes. Um, I think we have Mary uh, Miller and Chad Voigt with us to present on this one. Good evening. I'm just going to introduce this amendment, and then I'll ask Chad Voigt, the county engineer, to discuss the changes which are being proposed and answer any questions you might have. Um, this amendment is necessary to bring the county floodplain management regulations into conformance with state and FEMA requirements. And one of the changes being made is the removal of the floodway and floodway fringe overlay districts. Um, they were included in the original floodplain regulations, but they have never been used. We have no rezonings ever to these districts. But as a result of that change, other sections of the zoning regulations needed to be updated uh, to, revise, to reflect the revised terminology in the floodplain management regulations. And there's a table in the staff report that lists all the other changes in the zoning regulations that are needed to accommodate this revised language. And Chad prepared the draft language for the regulations and he provided two versions for you. One shows all the changes and the other one is the clean version. And at this time, I'll just turn this over to Chad. Great, thank you, Mary. Um, 213 pages, so let me just break down <laughs> what's in there. Um, the, the Obviously the cover and then uh, Mary's memo, and then the, the first version is the marked up version that shows track changes. And um, the next version of the, once you get past the track version, then you get to the version where it's a clean version that's easier to read. Um, let me just zip down through there. And then there are a whole bunch of pages, as Mary said, that are the other parts of our zoning code where we're just changing a word here and there so that we're consistent. And that has to do with the overlay district issue, which I'll cover in a second. Um, and once you get below all of those pages and pages where there are a handful of changes scattered through there, and you get all the way down to a letter we received, uh, page 161, and this was notifying us that we need to make these changes. And um, we actually get... Um, the initial notice from the state and then FEMA is following up with letters to uh, the Board of Commission. So um, the letter, it outlines why the change is necessary and that we need to work with the state to make the changes. It also uh, includes uh, the federal code, which is the, you know, supporting evidence that this is a requirement. Uh, moving on below that, another letter and the summary of map actions. And so this whole uh, thing has been initiated because we have some new floodplain maps. And the summary of map actions is when they say, okay, the maps are, are they meet our requirements and they're ready to go official. They're going to be official on this date. And that's the notice to the community officially that the map is being changed in certain areas. 
And then below that, the final document is an example ordinance that the state has provided to all counties. And it's it's not a one size, well, it, it's a, an attempt to be a one size fits all and it's not. It's, it's for counties that don't have zoning and it's for counties that do. It's for counties that don't have a lot of the sections that we have. So you can't just take this, the model ordinance that the state has provided and put a stamp on it and call it good. And we wouldn't wanna do that. There are a lot of things in there that are inconsistent with uh, rural areas in Douglas County. So that's why we do have our own version of the code. And then um, once we get through this review process, it has to be approved by the state and the, the chief engineer of the Division of Water Resources actually has to sign it and seal it, um, authorizing it. And so it's a multi-step process to get this approved. Um, if, if you are to move this forward with your recommendation for approval, the county commission would uh, have to pass a resolution to adopt the new regulations, and then they still would not be official until they go to the state for final approval. So back to the top, um, I'll start with the overlay districts. So in 2001, the city of Lawrence uh, came up with some floodplain management regulations that um, were kind of unique and the floodplain overlay districts were uh, proposed at that time because I was, I was involved in that process and we were not using the FEMA floodplains to regulate. We were adding additional freeboard, which was at the time uh, in the industry, there was a topic about adding freeboard and it wasn't anything that was regulatory yet, but the city um, decided that was a good move with a lot of development pressure that was going on. So we actually had two feet of freeboard throughout the city and the floodplain over, overlay district was the only way to accomplish that because the FEMA maps don't represent that. So if you're gonna tell a landowner you're regulated, you gotta draw a line that shows that you're regulated. So um, the floodplain overlay district terminology is unique to Lawrence. And when the county adopted regulations, oh, eight or 10 years later, I think they drug over some language that maybe doesn't apply in the county. There are no floodplain overlay districts actually being used in the county. We're not using two feet of freeboard to, to regulate. We're using the FEMA maps. And so that's the reason that those overlay districts have to come out of there is that they're really just going unused. And the language can be obviously very confusing to lay people or anybody who's trying to read the code and, and follow it. So that's one big issue. And then uh, essentially a lot of the other issues are just that the, the model ordinance has changed. And um, FEMA likes to update their statements and, and they try to make them more approachable to the, the general population with their terms and their um, concepts. You know, years ago, we talked about the 100-year flood and the 100-year flood confused people because they, they would get flooded and they'd say, well, it's not supposed to flood again for 100 years. And that's just not the way the statistics work. So then they moved to the 1% chance flood, but that's, you know, a little too nerdy. So um, they, they quit doing that altogether and they've really reverted to this term of special flood hazard area to just encompass all floodplains. And special flood hazard area kind of has that, you know, all encompassing, oh yeah, I get it. It's a flood hazard area and it's special and we need to worry about it. So um, that's one instance of where language has changed over time at the federal level. It's been implemented at the state level and the state is kind of a stickler about these things. And currently they're hitting us pretty hard. And that's why there are so many revisions in here. They really wanna see that language that's national language in our code. And to get the chief engineer's signature, we've gotta make those changes to get there. So, um, 
the track change document, you know, I had to do this with uh, kind of the one code on one side and, and the old code on the other side. And, and I just gave up on trying to insert words in sentences and I just blew away whole sections and replaced them and it made it easier to, to read probably. Um, it's It looks like a lot of changes, but if you really study what's in there, it's pick this sentence up, move it over here, change one word. So um, substantively, there's not a lot going on here. It's still the same regulations. It still does the same thing. So I think um, maybe with that, I'll just stop and, and let you ask questions if there are technical issues or anything about, about what we've got going on here. Um, I used to run the program that approved these, so um, that's why I'm intimately familiar with it. And uh, Tanya is actually our floodplain administrator and certified to do this, but having the background of, of previously doing these things, I took it on to, to kind of take that workload away and, and talk to the state directly. So with that, I'll leave it up to questions. Thank you much, Chad. Um, are there any members of the public on the call that want to um, talk about this item? There do not appear to be. Okay. I know. <laughs> I was expecting more. Um, okay, then we'll uh, we'll have some discussion. Uh, do any commissioners have questions for Chad or Mary? Go ahead. I have a quick question for you, Chad. Um, the the remapping, the FEMA remapping of the Washington Creek area, is that how does that play into these new regulations, or is that even finished? That is not finished. It's there's a draft that's pretty far along, and we're actually able to use some of that information, but it's not finished. And that is in the Kansas, the Lower Kansas uh, watershed. the The mapping that we're talking about tonight is the Meridian watershed. So, uh, basically, the Santa Fe Trail South. So that's primarily Franklin County, but some of uh, Douglas County got remapped. Thanks. Uh, question, Chad, what happens if um, this is not approved, this text amendment? Um, we don't have a choice, so we gotta, we've got to get an approved um, ordinance or we lose our coverage under the National Flood Insurance Program, and that affects in Douglas County 77 uh, policies, so I, I think it's 77. Um, so, you know, we would fall out of favor with FEMA and get nasty letters. And if there happened to be a flood, you know, they they could say, well, you weren't part of the program when that flood hit. Um, the, the program's been around since 1968. It's as, as federal programs go, it's impressive in how it is ubiquitous. I mean, you can go to any local community in the United States and people can talk like this about this, which is impressive. It's also a federal program, so you know it's it's bankrupt. It can't pay for uh, emergency response that's needed. They learned that after Katrina. Um, so, I guess that's a long answer to say that ultimately we would probably still get help. But um, you know they they are going to send us a lot of nasty letters if if we don't get something past the chief engineer in the near future. We're probably going to miss our deadline actually, based on just the way the meetings have worked out calendar wise. Um, so we'll probably get a nasty letter anyway, but um, it, it, we're getting close to, you know, that deadline and, and we'll get something hopefully through and we'll be okay. Thank you. Commissioner Rexford, go ahead. Thanks. Thanks, Chad, for the work. Um, do you have a 
Just in general, do you have a sense based on the work you had to do? And, and I, I'd looked through the the uh, um, the edited draft, um, and and wow, was there a lot of change? Um, and that, do you have a sense that um, in general the codes improved based on that work? And I'm also wondering about the work that's, that's to come on the code rewrite. How much of this is going to be addressed with, as 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 uh, as uh, other code is reviewed down the road? How do we maintain what FEMA is asking for in other development processes? Um, on that last point, are you referring to the building codes? You were muted there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so those are those are separate uh, issues. Uh, this this floodplain code is fairly uh, straightforward and streamlined to National Flood Insurance Program uh, regulations for land development, for finished floor elevations, uh, flood proofing, those kind of things. And the building code is kind of another wing of of all of this. And as far as flood insurance goes. The community gets better rates if there are adopted codes, and so that that kind of comes in on the back end. The landowners will get better rates, so the, this code won't change with the building code issues that are that we're going to address. Um, on your first question, yes, it's it's much more streamlined. Um, I took some liberties with moving some things around to make more sense. We had, um, you know, there's if you look at it, there's a section called general standards, and then there's a section called specific standards. But what I was finding is we were jumping right into some specific standards and then you get down to the specific standards and making general statements. And so some things have been flipped around um, just to, to make more sense. And that goes back to the model ordinance, which also has a lot of structural issues that if you're trying to make it fit your community, it's a challenge. So having reviewed a lot of other counties and communities ordinances and seeing how things are put together, I think ours is now going to be one of the better ones in terms of just getting to the point, getting the, getting the job done. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Any, any other questions in the commission? I would make a motion. Yeah, I think so we're probably ready. Too early for that. <laughs> I don't think it is too early. <laughs> uh, I move to approve text amendment TA 22-82, revising the floodplain management regulations, article 12-312 of the zoning and land use regulations for the unincorporated territory of Douglas County, Kansas, and other sections of the regulations needed to reflect the changes as noted in the attached draft language and forward it to the Board of County Commissioners with a recommendation for approval. Thanks, Commissioner Willis. We have a motion to approve it and forward it on to the county commission with a recommendation for approval. Is there a second? Second. Commissioner Carter, thank you. Um, any other comments or questions before we vote from the commission? Thank you for the work, Chad. <laughs> thank you, Mary, for bringing it forward. <laughs> That's the hard part. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Jeff, can you read the roll, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes 10 to 0. Very good. That brings us to um, the last item on our regular agenda, number six. 
um, which is to consider approving a text amendment TA 2200115, revising the zoning and land use regulations for the unincorporated territory of Douglas County, Kansas, placing limits on the CP zoning district to implement the measures implemented with um, TA 2100107 growth management measures in the Lawrence urban growth area. And Mary Miller is going to present on this one again. Yes, thank you. Um, this amendment is just an implementation step for the amendment you made last year to the subdivision regulations. As you recall, we limited the amount of land divisions that are possible in the urban growth area. And those limits were that in tier two, the only land division possible before annexation is an exemption to the subdivision regulations. And in tier three, the only land division possible are the exemptions, and then you can divide as if you were outside of the urban growth area. So you could rezone to Ag 2 and do a rural certificate of survey. So technically the clustered preservation certificates of survey, which allowed the higher density residential divisions are only possible on land that was already zoned CP. However, we wanted to go ahead and add this information to the zoning regulations. So we didn't have a zoning district that technically is useless to rezone to. And so we worked with the county counselor to come up with wording that would make that appropriate. And he suggested the wording that as a as a means to implement the growth management measures incorporated into the subdivision regulations with joint ordinance number 8970, resolution number 21-14, as of October 10th, 2021, it is no longer permissible to rezone property to the CP district. However, the district remains in the zoning regulations to provide guidance for land use and development on property that was zoned CP prior to October 10th, 2021. And we deleted other language we had related to CP, which required you to rezone to that district if you were in the urban growth area. And so this is just an implementation, kind of a cleanup step, so our zoning regulations are aligned with our subdivision regulations. And so staff recommends approval of this and forwarding it to the Board of County Commissioners with a recommendation for approval. Thank you very much, Mary. Um, are there any members of the public on the Zoom call that wish to speak to this item? If so, raise your hand. I'm not seeing any members of the public. Okay. Thank you. Then um, close public comments and bring it to the commission. Any commissioners have any thoughts or comments or questions for Mary on this one? Mary, do you mind walking us through kind of how how the CP district came to be and what problems we had with it and why we've come to this point? Yes, you know, um, in the earlier uh, report, I had the CP report, I mentioned there was a CP area that was formerly A1, and that was the, I get the word messed up, but rural subdivision residential district. And it was intended only for the UGA. And before 2006, residential development was encouraged to move to the UGA, which we ended up getting a lot of the UGA divided up. And these earlier divisions didn't have build-out plans and they didn't take into consideration how they would be divided once they got annexed. And then we looked at how it was being divided now. We had quite a few certificates of survey. Um, we pretty much had a rush from 2015 on. There were 
it was amazing just how many land divisions there were occurring in the urban growth area. And these are not your typical kind of land divisions we had previously, where you just had modest homes. Uh, they were very large homes on three acre parcels and um, discovered that would be difficult. Even with the build out plan, once it get annexed, it's hard to divide that into higher density residential. And so to make it easier for land that's going to be annexed, that's why tier two, the condition was that there would be no division. And that way we have greenfield when it becomes in. And then outside of tier two, the decision was that it would develop as if it was outside the urban growth area, minimum lot size would be 10 acres. So when it comes in, as far as city purposes, we would consider that greenfield as well, because a block is typically about three acres. So we'd have about three blocks with every lot that comes in, which would just really help it develop once it comes into the city, but it would maintain the rural character and prevent that too early residential development that was occurring. So it was seen as a necessary requirement. And now that I think of it, another principal component was the wear and tear on the infrastructure. You know, having so many more residences was putting a lot of demand on township roads and county roads and infrastructure. And it was primarily intended to slow growth. It, it, we were just keeping up with it. The intention of the CP district was to slow it from what they had before, um, but then um, that wasn't quite enough. So the idea was that we would just eliminate it and slow growth that way. Thank you for that. Any other commissioners? No questions? No concerns? Good. Oh, I think the one communication we had was right on point. We don't need it. We don't want it. Let's get rid of it. So. <laughs> Very good. Well, does anybody feel comfortable making a motion? Oh, it's Karen and Julia's last and Greg's last chance to make motions. I just did one. Huh? I just did one. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, would you like to make a motion? Absolutely. I move that we approve text amendment TA22-00115, revising the zoning and land use regulations for the unincorporated territory of Douglas County, Kansas, as noted in the attached draft language and forward to the Board of County Commissioners with a recommendation for approval. Thank you, Commissioner Butler. Uh, that's a motion to approve the text amendment and send it on with that recommendation. Do we have a second? Second, Commissioner Payton. Thank you, Commissioner Payton. Uh, any other comments? Just give the opportunity before we vote. No, Jeff, can you go ahead and read the roll then? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. 
Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes 10 to 0. Very good. Uh, that brings us to, well, I guess that concludes the regular agenda portion of our meeting, and, but we are not done yet. Um, we have several miscellaneous new world business items, and the first of which um, is to consider a variance per section 2813G of the Land Development Code associated with minor subdivision MS221, excuse me, MS2200129, Locust 6th Street Edition at 623 Locust Street and 645 Locust Street. Um, consider a variance from the right-of-way width requirements required per section 2810E5I of the Land Development Code for Collector Street, Locust Street. Um, and I think we have Luke Mortensen on there to present here. Good evening, Commissioners. Luke Mortensen, Planner and Planning Development Services. Becky and I have been texting tonight. We're going to try to get you through these last couple items as quickly as possible. Uh, as Chair Sinclair just noted, this is a variance from the design standards to reduce the required right-of-way width for a portion of Locust Street, which is a collector street. The minor subdivision replat that this is associated with um, is being reviewed administratively by staff. The applicant seeks to establish a new lot by combining an existing platted lot and a portion of a previously platted North Lawrence and Additions block up in North Lawrence. This proposed lot will satisfy the IG General Industrial District Density and Dimensional Standards. The variance from the required right-of-way with uh, is the only proposed planning commission variance associated with the subject property. Future variances relating to other items such as building setbacks would be considered by the Board of Zoning Appeals. This proposed variance will reduce the required right-of-way width from 80 feet to 70 feet and is in lieu of the applicant dedicating one half of the required right-of-way um, as is required by the Land Development Code. I will refer mostly to my memo um, for analysis and review, but this item satisfied the conditions set forth by the subdivision regulations, specifically section 20-813 of the Land Development Code. Staff believe strict application of these regulations may create an unnecessary hardship upon the subdivider, that the proposed variance is in harmony with the intended purposes of these regulations, and that public health, safety, and welfare will be protected. This will allow for the consolidation and potential redevelopment of two industrially zoned parcels and will move the subject property towards compliance. Uh, additionally, the city engineer recommended support or supported this uh, variance request um, at the beginning of May. To conclude, staff recommends approval of the variance requested for a minor subdivision replat MS-22-00129 to reduce the required right-of-way width for a collector street from 80 feet to 70 feet for the properties currently addressed as 623 Locust Street and 645 Locust Street. Um, with that, I can stand for questions. Paul Warner is the applicant, but he had let me know earlier in the day that he may or may not be able to make it. So I'm not sure if he's with us, but I'm comfortable answering questions as well. Thank you, Luke. Um, I guess, uh, is Paul Werner, are you on the line there? Okay. Um, are there any members of the public on the call that wish to comment on this one? I'm not seeing any. Thank you, Becky. Um, then we'll bring it back to the commission. Uh, does anybody have comments or questions on this one? Uh, 
for Luke. It's okay. <laughs> Who else thinks it looks okay? <laughs> uh, Commissioner Willie's on the record for thinking it looks okay. I can go ahead and make a motion. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sharon Ashworth, Planning Commissioner. Um, I move we approve the variance requested for a minor subdivision to reduce the right of way width uh, per section 2810 Forest Collector Street, Locust Street from 80 feet to 70 feet for properties located at 623 Locust Street and 645 Locust Street. And forward that approval to the no. That just stops with us, doesn't it? Okay, so there. I'm moving <laughs> <to> that. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. That's a motion to approve the variance requested. Uh, is there a second? Second. So there. <laughs> Carter. So, seconded. Uh, Jeff, can you go ahead and read the roll on that one? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexrod? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes 10 to 0. Um, and that is then takes us to the second um, item on our miscellaneous agenda here. The, uh, that's to consider approving a variance associated with the minor subdivision MS2200073 from the right of way width along East 23rd Street, a principal arterial street for DCCCA edition number two, located at 1739 East 23rd Street. And I believe um, Becky Pepper is gonna present on this one. Thank you very much. As stated, the item before you this evening is a request for a variance from the right-of-way with standards for principal arterial required by the subdivision design standards. As you mentioned, this variance request is related to minor subdivision for DCCCA edition number two. Uh, minor subdivision MS 2200073, which proposes the creation of two lots at 1730 East 23rd Street. Minor subdivisions are reviewed administratively. However, planning commission approval is required for variances from the subdivision standards. The subdivision standards require that principal arterials have a minimum right-of-way width of 150 feet, and the applicant proposes retaining the existing right-of-way width for East 23rd Street, which does vary along this portion of the street and um, has a minimum, at a minimum, it measures 140.8 feet wide adjacent to the subject property. Staff has reviewed this variance request against the decision-making criteria provided in the subdivision regulations. And this analysis and the decision-making criteria can be found in the memo that's included in this evening's agenda packet. Staff concluded that the proposed variance meets all three of the criteria needed for approval. The city engineer also reviewed the variance request and is supportive of maintaining the current right-of-way width and indicated that there are no plans to uh, widen the roadway in this area. Based on the findings presented in the variance memo, staff recommends approving the variance request to allow for a reduced right-of-way width adjacent to this property of 140.8 feet uh, at the property located at 1739 East 23rd Street related to minor subdivision MS 2200073. With that, I'll stand for any questions. And I do not believe that the applicant is here. Okay, thank you, Becky. Is there any member of the public on the call that wants to talk about this one? Still not seeing any. Okay. Um, 
All right, commissioners, does anybody have any concerns about this variance requested or? Well, yeah, any concerns first? I like how you're actually disappointed when nobody is online to talk to us. We're trying to spread get to midnight just for. <laughs> Yeah, give you. I know. <laughs> Does anybody uh, feel comfortable making a motion for this one? Okay, I will again. Um, Commissioner Chair Ashworth, unless anybody else wants that. Um, I move we consider approving a variance associated with minor subdivision MS220073 from the right of way width along East 23rd Street, a principal arterial street for DCCCA edition number two, located at 1739 East 23rd Street. Uh, there, I move to approve that. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. A motion to approve it. Do we have a second? Commissioner Butler, seconded by hand motion. Thank you. Jeff, can you read the roll on that? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexrow? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes 10 to zero. Very good, thank you. Um, and that, so then that takes us to the third um, item on our miscellaneous list, which is to um, appoint a planning commissioner who has to be a city appointee to serve on the Land Development Code Steering Committee. Um, and I, I guess I was wondering, Jeff, would you be able to sort of speak to the background of this and just remind, I guess maybe help us know how uh, the steering committee came to be, like what its composition is maybe, um, Real quick. Sure. Well, kind of the quick story of the process is the city commission signed, authorized the city manager to sign a professional services agreement with Clarion and Associates to revise the land development code. And as part of that, we asked that they formed a steering committee that made up of about uh, 14 members. Um, one of the seats included a member from planning commission, but also the affordable housing advisory board, sustainability advisory board. Uh, multimodal transportation commission and a few other different slots in that larges and the steering committee would be chaired by one of the city commissioners and so the ask for you this evening is uh, one of the five of you that is a city appointee to be appointed to represent the planning commission on the board provide that guidance and insight for the consultant as part of that revision process so um, we expect and we hope it will wrap up uh, in, within 24 months of being started it was started in april so we're hoping to have a pretty quick timeline with everything but um kind of a very fast synopsis of everything who um who i guess uh proposed the the seats and from whom those seats would be filled the staff put forward kind of a uh, starting point for the city commission to consider the city commission revised that to add some different seats that they felt were necessary so that was really kind of a starting block by us and then it was rounded out by the commission those seats was there any consideration given to having more than one um, planning commissioner on there, given the amount that we interact, I guess, with the land development code? No, I can't say that there was. We put it forward with one thinking, kind of just at that starting point on that one. There was some other seats that were on there. The commission had altered and, and maneuvered uh, certain, I think there was a 
the words are fading at 10 o'clock at night. Sorry. Um, there was a couple of seats that were kind of revised and altered based on that. So have a little bit less representation in one, but have more representation by the community and other aspects. But I can't recall there being a discussion of, of multiple planning commissioners on the board. Is there any, I mean, is there any room for flexibility on that? Not at this time. The, the resolution was signed by the city commission for the one. Okay. Are you giving me side eye? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only asking because I mean I've I well uh, I've received I've talked to more than one commissioner who are interested um, and I just didn't know if there was a possibility for that. But I mean my as, as I think as a chair I I'm allowed to suggest someone and some I'm, I was going to suggest um, Commissioner Carpenter I think uh, as the appointment from our planning commission. Um, you know I I think the the land development code uh is sort of being revised and that's a lot being pushed i think from what we did with plan 2040 and i think commissioner carpenter has a lot of that experience having been here um and i think would be well served to be on the the committee for that uh and so my that would be my recommendation i would put that out there but i don't want to uh have it be sort of a authoritarian uh, dictate and so I'd, I'd you know unless anybody objects or would like to discuss more um that, that would be my uh my sort of desire for an appointment at this point i would be very glad to see commissioner carpenter <laughs> serving in that role um that's a very good understanding of the land development code more so than most private citizens here um, however he also comes off in a year and we've got a 24 month um, process, it would be really very nice to be able to have two planning commission voices on, on that so that as we would roll off, that there would be another another continuity. So mm -hmm. Nobody's going to want to step onto that like I did with the Plan 2040 steering committee at the very end of it. <laughs> Thank you. Commissioner Rexroth, go ahead. I was uh, just basically repeat Karen's comments. I can't think of anybody more qualified um, and better suited than Jim, Commissioner Carpenter, to take on that work. Um, um, I had also raised my hand. I was one of the other commissioners that had said that. And um, the only concern I have is just on continuity um, as one person uh, leaves and another person steps in and uh, finding some way to stay connected to that process so that we don't miss anything, don't have any gaps. So I'd, I'd offer my service in that in whatever way makes sense for this body. So. Commissioner Rexford, if I end up doing it, you have to shadow. <laughs> I'm signing up if that uh, is okay with you, Commissioner Carter. I mean, you, you just, it would just be a matter of, you know, keeping up with everything so you can step in. Yeah. Understood that. Yep. And then we could do that. I mean, that would be easy enough. Is this something we have to vote on? Yes. So we can have, I saw you, I think, nod your head. That we can have more than one person. No, <laughs> <laughs> not at the same time. <laughs> it resolution allows for one appointment for the planning commission, but uh, you know it's it kind of to Commissioner Billy's point though is that you know planning. I think we had a total of four planning commissioners that served on uh, Plan 2040 steering committee, so it doesn't have to be a commissioner that has to go the full length of it. There would be a bit of a learning curve depending upon where the transition steps in there. So is it, do I hear you saying that we could do Jim 
Carpenter with Gary Rexrode shadowing to step in when Jim goes off the planning mission. The board's prerogative in that instance. The appointment is the planning commission's make. So that's a yes. <laughs> so that's a yes. <laughs> Sounds like you right, if I could just make an observation um, that uh, aside from the you know the solar power policy you know subcommittee, I can't think of another body for which we would depend more on um you know periodic reports at our meetings you know the activities i think this i'll be fascinated to learn what's happening you know in the steering committee so i'm sure you will be <laughs> <laughs> maybe i can shadow commissioner rex <laughs> i think it's also fair to share that i think the planning commission will have a pretty high engagement with this process given your role and all the things that you see and do so i don't think you will you will all will see a role and have a, have a part of that one. This will just be your voice at that steering committee table. Where does this process go after the steering committee? To the planning commission. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Very likely to go to the planning commission, city commission for consideration. So is that going to be an official title now, shadow commissioner? Yes. <laughs> I vote for yes. What? We could even get him a cape. <laughs> yeah, a cape. <laughs> I mean, so Jeff, just to be clear, do do I should I move to appoint Car Commissioner Carpenter and then vote on that, or is you can make a motion to nominate and then okay go through like a normal voting procedure? Okay. Uh, I mean, I would. Well, do you want to make the motion? Since you kind of this idea, I would pleasure. I with my it's my pleasure to do do so. I would. I move that we appoint uh, Jim nominate Commissioner Carpenter to the Land Development Code, and that Commissioner Rex Road shadow Jim in a shadow commissioner <laughs> type of mode. Or step in. Or step in if Jim I fail. In my yes, all of the above. <laughs> that is my nomination. <clears throat> uh, just before we vote, how much of this gets actually, does this get communicated what we're, this weird arrangement we're talking about? Is this just like our edification in a year or whatever when Jim's no longer a planning commissioner? I'm, I'm sure the, the city commission will watch, but it is a little bit more of your edification at that point because it is up to if a reappointment was necessary, the planning commission would put somebody else forward. And yeah. Through. All right. Are we the only body who wanted to put two when we were required to put one? That's what I would Probably. Okay. Well, um, any other comments before we just vote on that? Are you willing? I think there needs to be a second. Oh, uh, Commissioner Willie seconded it. Sorry. Oh, okay. Do we need to hear if Commissioner Carpenter is willing? Oh, sure. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> He's here. He doesn't get a vote. Julius. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's a yes. <clears throat> Let's vote. Uh, Jeff, can you read the rule, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexrod? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes 10 to 0. Okay, don't everyone get up so fast. Oh. <laughs> Brother, we have one more item. I'm, I'm ready. So the last thing is uh, to, I think, dissolve the solar ad hoc committee. 
unless there's any desire from them the presiding member of that committee you know, I, I would move to dissolve the solar ad hoc subcommittee and that should be three seconds all at once. Seconded by Commissioner Willie. Oh, Commissioner Ashworth had it first. Oh, Commissioner Ashworth, that's And Rex Rhodes. So we have three seconds. Okay. Well, I think we, I mean, we talked and expressed our appreciation at a previous meeting. So again, thank you for all your hard work. Um, can we read the role in that one, Jeff? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexrod? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes 10 to 0. Great. Um, that, that's it for our agenda tonight. Jeff, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Uh, we have no other items for you this evening. Okay. Um, would anyone like to make a motion to adjourn? So moved. <laughs> My favorite part. Commissioner Willie, I think second. All right. Uh, Jeff, can you read the roll? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Butler? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? No. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexrod? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes nine to one. <laughs> Final vote. Thank you, everybody. Thanks to you all. Good night. Thanks, everybody. Good night. I didn't get to know you before because I think.